You're about to complete a great quest. The Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. This is it. Look. The shield is the second mark. We found it. Indiana Jones is on the quest of a lifetime. But for some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me! Out of the way! A race across three continents. And in this sort of race, there's no silver medal for finishing second. Hang on, Dad! We're going in! Into the homeland of the enemy. Nazis. I hate these guys. Our situation has not improved. In his search for the Holy Grail. How dare you kiss me? Are you crazy? Don't go between them! my father in the belly of that steel beast. You call this archaeology? The quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. Germany has declared war on the Jones boys. Those people are trying to kill us. I know, Dad. That's a new experience for me. Happens to me all the time. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Have the adventure of your life. Keeping up with the Joneses. You're bucking for the cheese. I'm not even doing it like uh, Sean Connery, doing it like Scott Mosier. Please to forgive me. I was expecting to say Indiana was the, jo- the dog's name. No, and I. Uh, I gotta, I gotta curtail that right now. You blew it. I gotta stop it right now. I'm just gonna start talking like Sean Connery all day. That's for blasphemy. That's the only thing I can really do. I can only do that's for blasphemy, and then I can do a bunch of stuff from DuckTales, which is sort of a third generation uh, Sean Connery. All right, why? Hello, it's three minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of August of the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along, making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not only ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. It is Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for uh, being there, my friends, my chums, my compatriots, my colleagues, my amigos. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, if you want to uh, join us today with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your two cents, your what have you, 503-733-2970. Uh, if you want to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at uh, rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Scotty J. 970.am. And again, the uh, phone number is uh, 503-733-2970. Scotty J. standing by, ready, willing, and able to uh, pass along your comments about the interesting, the tedious, the groundbreaking, the mundane, the whatever. It's 503-733-2970. Scotty said the greatest thing this morning 
It follows. We have this sort of maxim on this program that Scotty can't really be funny when he tries. It's a, sort of a sporadization of his sense of humor. Scotty's not really able to be funny when he's trying to be funny. It's really when he just says things without thinking about it. That's when Scotty's sort of. It's sort of a subterranean, passive comic genius kind of shows through. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, speaking of Sporbert, Lisa Goddard will be joining us today. Uh, from the, we'll be talking about, in the words of Tim Riley, there's nothing else, there's nothing new to report about Senator Larry C- uh, Craig from Idaho, who's not gay, not in any way gay. Uh, but that will not uh, stop us from just pounding away at it every single day, like Sisyphus rolling a rock up a hill. So uh, we'll talk about that today. We've what else coming? We got the CNN radio correspondent James Roop, who will join us today. Uh, we'll talk about, well, there's a couple things. There's the blah, 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 Owen Wilson. Blah, 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 cell phone ban, blah, blah, blah. But really the big news is that they're laying off 1,300 people from a Twinkie-making factory in Southern California. I hold it right here in my hand. Thirteen. Imagine that it takes 1,300 people to make Twinkies. I mean, really, what do those 1,300 people do? They can't all just stand there and just shove the Twinkies into a box. But, I mean, really, what what else is there to do in the manufacturing of Twinkies? It's not like some guy sits there with a caulking gun and jams them full of cream. I mean, that's all, it's all done by a machine. It's an assembly line operation. What if 1,300 people... That's like the idea that there's 405 people at the Oregonian. I mean, how many people does it take to copy and paste some crap out of the AP feed? Or whatever. Anyway, so, um, blah, 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 1,300 people. From the Twinkie Making Factory in uh, in Southern California, uh, we'll get to that. Steve Kastenbaum will join us today about that poor schlub that caught that Barry Bonds ball, who, as predicted by Jim Roop, cannot afford to keep it. Uh, he's had it for like two weeks, and he's already having to sell it off today. Uh, so we'll talk about that. What else? Uh, we'll talk to uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com coming up at 11:30 today. We will have the top five musical artists who choke to death on their own vomit. That's coming up later on in today's program. That's just for Sarah, by the way, who's feeling a little under the weather and has a bit of a stomach churn going on herself. So, uh, in honor of Sarah's upset stomach, top five musical acts who choke to death on their own vomit. That list being put together as we speak by the one and only Scotty J. Uh, we will continue our hunt for the second worst story in the history of the world. Uh, is there anything else? Is there anything else I really, really need to be to be teasing at this point? Well, no. Just this big pile of crap over to my right that we may or may not get to. So there you go. Lisa Goddard, Jim Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, top five artists who choke to death on their own vomit, Mr. Skin, and the hunt for the second worst story uh, ever in the history of all everything. And I have Tim Riley to thank for this in front of me. This is from uh, the Willamette. See, I'll actually go see this. This is at the... Uh, that was the Music Fest. That's not this weekend. Is it next weekend? Yeah, not, next Not weekend. this coming weekend. All right. Uh, there's some movie. There's uh, some Kurt Cobain thing. And I'm not like the world's biggest Kurt Cobain fan, but I, uh, but it's, uh, it's some documentary about him. And the whole shtick with this, here's the thing. If you notice this, that about every five years, no matter who it is uh, that, that is the subject, about every five or six years, there is something that comes out that purports to be the definitive documentary, the definitive biography. Just like about every five years, a band puts something out that purports to be the definitive hits collection. First it's a box set, then it's a CD, then it's a two-CD digipack, then it's a five-disc collection. Every five years, there's some conglomeration of their crap that claims to be the deal no, no, for the collectors. Now, this is the this is the 20th century remaster millennium edition of the greatest hits. So this is now the third thing I've seen that is purportedly the definitive documentary or, or the biography about Kurt Cobain. Anyway, the hook of this one is that I guess it's narrated in his own words uh, because it's all because it's all. It, 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 
it's all pieced together. It's a pastiche of things from interviews that he gave while he was alive. I guess it's it's like that um, that uh, that Tupac Shakur thing that came out a couple years ago. Anyway, so that is that is next uh, that is next weekend. So I'll be there. Admission is five dollars or a Music Fest Northwest wristband, of which I have one. So I was looking through. Sarah was nice enough to, uh, because I don't really ever have the hookup with anything ever. I know, and now I wish I wouldn't have told you, because now Raul doesn't have one, because I had to give it to you. Yes, but apparently Raul and I are interchangeable. <sighs> In the opinion of your many friends who think that we bear some striking resemblance to one another. No, I don't apparently, see it. Apparently you can just need either. You can just slot me in there. Um, but I was looking through the, uh, the, what, the catalog or the overview or the... Whatever it is, the book that tells you who's going to be playing at Music Fest Northwest, and it's just crap. It's just a whole big, I mean, just page after page of bands that I don't. I spent about uh, 90 minutes uh, over the last couple of days with the Music Fest. I don't mean to sound like a hater, but with the Music Fest Northwest catalog in one hand and like the mouse in the other. Going from one tedious MySpace page to another and just listening to some of the worst music I have ever heard in my life. Although I will say this, that Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers is going to be here doing a solo set. And that that right there is enough to get me interested. So I and uh, these guys in Oakerville River who are really good. But you're saying you're not interested in any music at Music Fest Northwest? I'm not saying that I'm not interested in any. I'm saying I'm saying I'm not interested in most of it. But I think that's probably true. You're probably not interested in most of it because you're all about what's it. The, no, I'm, there are, there are a ton of bands that are playing that I want to see. Who is that? Who is that guy? Is it is it Sage Fran, Francine? Sage Francis? Oh, Kate Sage Francis. Francis. You know, are you all about them, him, that guy, her, whoever no, it is? Sage Francis is the white rapper dude. No, I'm not about him. Uh, I never know what anything is anymore. Just becoming more out of touch with every passing year. Yeah, anyway. see, I don't think it's so much that the that the music is bad as you don't know what you're talking about with music and locally anymore. No, that's not. It's not that I don't know what I'm talking about. It's that I listen to something. No, well, it is that I don't know what I'm talking about. But also, if I listen to something, I can tell if I like it or not. And so it just. I, maybe I'm picking the wrong stuff to listen to, but I was going like page by page because I'm not going to pretend that I can look at like a band description and know what the hell they're they're about. But last night I just spent I don't know, I, I probably five six pages in a row going through, and I would go to some band's page and I would listen to it and it was just dreck, just dreck. But that makes the good stuff stand out. So I will be going to see um, I will be going to see Oakerville River. I will be going to see Patterson Hood. I will be going to see this uh, this Nirvana film. I'm sorry? And Grizzly Bear, that I band I've been telling you about. don't know what that is. Oh, they're a band. They're very good. And Rilo Kiley. I've never felt more old than at this moment. Rilo Kiley, a.k.a. Jenny Lewis, who was in Troop Beverly Hills, and she was also in The Wizard. She's that um, cute little child actress. That's all very confusing. All right. Uh, la, 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 la. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. Leona Helmsley leaves $12 million to her dog and nothing to her grandchildren. <laughs> Fantastic. That makes me smile. Or her grandchildren are probably horrible. Mm-hmm. And the dog might be a nice dog. Uh, please don't try this. A good Samaritan is here trying to stop a shoplifter at the Vancouver Fred Meyer. Now, seriously, nothing in that store is worth risking their life over. <laughs> and trying to stop something at Vancouver, there are plenty more of them. It is a point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have plenty more in Larry Craig. Uh, now, CBS will send Katie Curry to uh, Iraq. But probably not permanent. I was just going to say, what are you supposed to be trying to do with that? Do you think they'll be sending us to a She's going to be right <clears throat> right next to that prince that doesn't look anything like Charles? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Katie, why don't you go over that? No, you don't need a helmet. No, it's just a... go go over. Try to get as close to the action as you possibly can. No, no, no. There's no flak jacket, I'm afraid, Katie. It's, uh, no, you'll just have to go over there wearing only your blouse for protection. Leave now. And the best story of the day. A woman is arrested for using her ex-boss's stolen credit card and spending $800 from that credit card at the Oregon State Fair, including $85 worth of beef jerky 
fantastic. That's all coming up, plus uh, more, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Sarah Dillon joining us now. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I don't feel so hot today. Yes, I can sense that. Yeah, but I'm sucking it up. That's right. No, you're a team player. No, you're going to play through the pain. You're going to give 110%. Well, plus I'm working like nine-hour days every day this week, and it's just a long week. That's only Wednesday. The best part was this morning uh, is that when you sat down. So, Sarah, Sarah, I came in this morning, not to embarrass you. I came in this morning, and Sarah was actually literally kneeling on the floor of the studio with her hands up on the chair and her head sort of down between her knees. And I said... Hi, how how are you? And she said, I don't feel so well. And then you just sort of huddled there for a while. Um, so I don't know if you have the same, because Tim had that stomach ailment, which what, last Friday, two Fridays ago, something like that? And it was a whole lot of... It's uh, bad. Which, <laughs> where Tim called me, and he left me this message, he said, I don't think I should be on a max today. No. So that, I'll be staying. <laughs> we didn't want to be on a big sloshy metal tube. I just want to cut to the chase. I you can use your imagination. I don't have to where go to this <laughs> You don't really need to lay out the specifics of it. And then about four days later, I got it for like two days, and it was just, I never did hurl at any point. Yeah, I do was, feel like I'm going to throw up a little. That was the thing. It was almost worse than the actual vomiting, though. Not to be talking about vomit as much as possible, but it was actually worse than the actual vomiting. It was just the constant sense that you were about to. Like, you never actually did. You were just, I mean, I can't speak for Tim, but I just, it was the constant sense that something unpleasant was about to come out of somewhere on your body. Even oh, if it didn't happen. Say that out I'm loud. Just, no, no, I'm just saying what we're all thinking, Sarah. <laughs> anyway, and so Sarah's sitting across from me about 20 minutes ago, and she had called CNN and was talking to Laura at CNN and booking the correspondence or whatever. And she was like, ah, well, I, I'll be better when I've had some coffee. Reaches over, picks up a cup of coffee, drinks it, and then what? It, had it gone cold? Had no, it, gone... it was already cold. I think somebody left a cold pot of coffee in the kitchen. Here's what you don't yeah. want to think about. Don't think about the fact that that coffee probably is from like five or six days ago. Yeah. See, coffee doesn't gross me out because it's just, you know, it's just water. And Not so much the coffee as it is the mold that might have been growing inside if it's from, you know, several days past. I only say that because no, that has turn, happened to me. The turnover here with coffee. Just let me live my dream. All right. That's fine. It's I did as quick as the employees. There's one time in my... One time at my house, uh, my wife and I have this uh, coffee pot that is—it's—it's it's like a burning, it's like a stainless steel kind of a thing. So you—it's not glass. You can't see the inside of the coffee pot. And I got up in the morning, poured myself some coffee, thinking that my wife had made it when she had gone to work. I pick up the cup of coffee, go to slurp it down, and it's cold. And I go, oh damn! I didn't realize this coffee's old. And so I open up, I unscrew the top of the coffee pot, I go to pour it into the sink, and just a big, huge skin of green mold comes right oh, out of it. Oh, gross. That's good, because you know that's right in there setting up shop in your lower intestine somehow, oh. right there in the store. All right. Oh, I know how often we all drink coffee, so I'm assuming it's probably from yesterday. All right, it's 503-733-2970. And by the way, I don't mean to sound, uh, I don't mean to sound relentlessly negative about the music fest. I don't. It's just, it's just, it does seem like, it does seem like, and I suppose it's always been this way, but I think with MySpace, the Internet, the fact that there is the proliferation of avenues for music, it just seems like now more than ever before you just have to wade through tons and tons of chaff uh, to get to a band that you really care about. You know what I mean? It seems like, it, because, I mean, those in that guidebook, there's probably, I don't know, they're probably listing eight or nine bands per page. And it just seemed like I was having to, you know, to dig deeper and farther than ever before to find something that I was that I was sort of. There into. are there are a lot of bands playing. It also doesn't help though that I'm like a hundred years old, and that 
since I, you know, started becoming a rabid music consumer, it seems like music has just been splintering into these smaller and smaller subgroups that I just know nothing about and that are complete. And I don't even, I don't even know that it's an age thing. I think maybe I, I, I because Dave Zinn, who was roughly my same age, came into my office yesterday with some uh, some CD that he really that he wanted me to listen to. And it's not that it's bad, but you ever have this when somebody, and this is the worst, when somebody whose music taste you respect, they give you something to listen to, and you put it on, and it's not that it's bad music, because I guess I'm being a little unduly harsh. It's not that a lot of the bands I listened to in that in the Music Fest thing were, were bad. It's just that you listen to it, and you just don't understand it. You just listen to it, and you don't understand that is an old what's answer. happening. <laughs> I listen to the music these days, and I don't understand it. I would like to think that it's that, but he's, a, but he's like my same age. You know, and I'm listening to we have we come from the same place, the same musical touchstones, and I'm listening I to. 800 octane playing. And I just I did see that. And Amadon. Oh, that's gonna be rad. I saw 800 octane. I did see them in there. So anyway, so he brought me a CD by some new female rapper that apparently the kids are all about, and I was listening to it, and I just sort of sensed my eyes squinting, my brow kind of furrowing, and after about three songs, I kind of went, I, I just was it Mia or like MIA? MIA, yep. yeah. And I listened to it, and I kind of went. I, I don't understand this. And I just turned it off. <laughs> it was like the oldest moment of my life. I just turned it off and I was like, well, where's my Skinner? You know, I just, there was, just, there was no hope. Um, all right. Well, before we do anything else, and let me just tell you that Scotty did say the most hilarious thing today. And I don't want to oversell it like he's the new Henny Youngman or whatever. But I am. Um, we were, we were working on the top five this morning. And again, today we are doing the top five musical acts who choke to death on their own vomit. And... We were just sort of brainstorming back and forth, just bouncing off each other. It's just the artists, we, because we were going to do top five rock suicides, and then we couldn't come up with five. We could only come up with, like, two, and, um, and which is probably the same two you're thinking of. So then we just started brainstorming by just throwing out the names of untimely rock and roll demises, just the rock, and, rock singers who have died an untimely death. And so we say whatever, we do like, you know, Mama Cass, Kurt Cobain, whoever, just throwing out every name we can come up with. And one of us says Michael Hutchins. And then there was that pause, and I said, no, 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 Michael, Michael Hutchins didn't choke to death on his own vomit. And Scotty, without missing a beat, and clearly not trying to make a joke, Scotty just says, no, he choked to death on his own chicken. <laughs> Which is great. Which is great and means nothing, though. Like, if you were to diagram that sentence and break it down, you know exactly what he's trying to say there, but it doesn't really mean what he's trying to say. It's, uh, it's almost like a Yogi Berraism. Perhaps so. we'll hear more of it as he takes over the newsroom for the next few days. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten a lot. I managed to blot that out. When? That's tomorrow, Friday, and Monday. I'm on vacation. Tim will be uh, in absentia. Tim will be ah. out. Oh, yeah, because you're going to be here. Southern California. Are you going to be here when Rick and I are gone? Yeah. I guess I am. Scotty and I will. Yeah, when will Sarah and I are we gone. We won't have jobs. It'll be the Tim and Scotty show. It'll be all real estate all the time. It is going to be. It's. It'll be. Uh, it'll be best of segments, and then interspersed with banter between Tim and Scotty. So. Which is actually will be fascinating for the listeners because you and I try to sneak um, listens to them when they're talking in the kitchen, yeah. but then they always stop. You know, when the kids come in. <laughs> well, no. We, I mean, it'd be rude to speak of topics that interest no one except for the people in the room. Yeah, of course. Who would, who would ever want to do that? <laughs> uh, by the way, apparently the stomach flu is everywhere. This email says, stop, my stomach is killing me. I can barely stand. For the love of all, it's holy. Please stop talking about vomit. I want to die. So. Yeah, mine was, it, it woke me up this morning. Then on my bike ride, it was okay. And as soon as I got to work, it's, oh. Yeah. Good times. Not good. All right. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll get this call. We'll do a couple other things, and then we will uh, break, and we'll come back uh, with CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Goddard. Let me just ask this question, though, before we take the call. 
When you see a single shoe by the side of the road, do you assume that someone has recently died there? Yes. Yeah. See? People's shoes always fall off when they get Exactly. They always fly off. Happens. There's no I other way. Tight. How else could it happen? I mean, there's really no other way that a single shoe would end up just sitting by the side of the road. If you're coming over the Ross Island Bridge, if you are headed uh, westbound over the Ross Island Bridge, which is how I come to work, you're going over the Ross Island Bridge, and then there's that part where you you can either keep going straight, and it sort of takes you up, you know, toward OHSU, towards OHSU, uh, OHSU uh, uh, you know, in the Beaverton Hillsdale Highway, or you can go right, and it just funnels you right downtown, right onto like First, or though you're heading to 26th. For the last three or four days, I've been sort of morbidly obsessed with this black tennis shoe that is sitting. Not in the actual road, but sort of on the shoulder, right there. And I've looked very carefully. Every morning, I slow down just a little bit, not looking at an accident, not looking at any sort of an ambulance, not looking at an auto wreck, simply looking at the shoe. And I have determined it is the only shoe there. There isn't a second one. But, I mean, even if there was a second one, that wouldn't make any sense. Because you never... But while I'm talking about this, you never do see two. It only is just one. It's just a single shoe. So there you go. It's my random observation. Let's get this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Oh, good morning, Rick. Hi. Uh, I have a Larry Craig joke. Uh, really? Do we think it's too soon? Talking to myself. No, apparently it's not of too soon. It's not too go, soon. Go, go ahead, okay. sir. Holly, I thought I'd almost turned to the popcorn theme, but no, it's uh, not obscene at all. Uh, Larry Craig. You're sure about born, that? Larry Craig, born in Idaho, reared in Minneapolis. <laughs> now that is courtesy of the uh, Stephanie Miller show. A caller yesterday okay. to the Stephanie Miller show. That is but funny. Before, before I say Tim Riley is news, could you could you maybe play a torture by the Jackson Five or obscene phone call by Rockefeller? See, now I don't even know what you're talking about. You were real strong there for a moment, and now yeah, you just wandered. Yeah, you should have gone out on a high. Yeah, you should have just totally gone out on the on the 10, sir. All right. He's wandered off the road into obscurity. All right. Uh, before we break, let me just read a couple of things that are from my inbox today. Um, who wants to hear the worst name for a radio duo ever? I do. Sarah? Me too. I got this in my inbox today. I swear to God, I got a job pitch. For, and what they'll do is, if there are people um, who are looking for radio employment, they sometimes don't send something to the program director. They will send something to the human resources director, who then funnels it down to everybody in the building. So I swear to God, I'm not making this up. I have it right here in front of me. And this is it's a huge media kit. It's like this massive email that they send out. We got today a media kit from a radio team. It is two men. And their logo, by the way, is the American Idol logo, but they sort of altered it so it says American Radio. Oh, that's right mm -hmm. See right there? Oh. American Radio. How timely. I swear to God, they are called the... I am not fabricating this. This is... I hold in my hands the press kit that this radio... If you ever wonder why people don't take radio hosts seriously or why they sometimes feel that radio is a stupid and pointless career... It's because we are filled with things like the Budman and Booger show. Right there. Look at there. Budman and Booger. Oh, oh man. <laughs> right there. Fantastic. And it's like a seven-page media kit they sent us. What, what could you possibly fill seven pages with if you're the Budman and Booger show? I mean, honestly. Click here to listen now. No, I don't think so. Tim there in Sacramento. 
Apparently, the Sacramento radio market isn't appreciating the uh, the Budman and Booger show. What do you suppose... Isn't that where that person got killed in, in that other stunt? Probably. Yeah. What do you suppose their objective is, Tim? It says right here they have an objective on their resume. Uh, to seek employment in a larger market. To host, produce, manage, market, and promote a number one rated quality on-air program. They have to note that they want to do a quality program. A quality on-air program that is entertaining and profitable with flawless execution while being an asset to a team that shares the same focus. When did all of these start to sound like those really bad mission statements that that are right next to a picture of a pond or something in a bad frame in the lobby of a radio station? Jesus God! So there you go. Oh, they did send a, they did send an air check. So maybe if everybody oh, if, everybody, yes. if everybody's really good, apparently they have strong street presence, and apparently they do many stunts and sketches. So if everybody is uh, if and they have a logo. They have their own company, Budman and Booger Entertainment. <laughs> I, That's so sad. I hate radio. Radio sucks. <laughs> Let's just send it over to public radio. Maybe they can do something. Oh, God damn. All right. Right over there. Budman uh, and the Booger. We got... We, we, Pick we us. <laughs> did you really just say that? I did. <laughs> Pick us for mornings. <laughs> Okay. Well, then, just to top that off, just I don't really know how to follow up picking Budman and Booger in the morning, except to say that I uh, also received yesterday the press kit for the upcoming Dale Earnhardt biopic. Right here. It's called Dale. Uh, and I wonder, Dale. How they, wonder how they came up with the name. And uh, the only reason I care about this is because they gave us, here's a little press kit. Uh, there's a little, like, a DVD that's a trailer for it. And then they sent me a copy of the soundtrack. The soundtrack to the feature film, Dale. Please, please tell me. What he's supposed to lead off track is, Sarah. Oh, my God. Is it Brachy Courtesy, the Red, White, and Blue? No, no. Although there are three Travis Tritt songs on here. Well, that's the Toby Keith song. There's, yeah, there are three Travis Tritt songs. Charlie Daniels, Leonard Skinner, Alabama. <gasps> Um, what yes. is the single? What is the single most prominent uh, the, the, the song in any in any bad film? What song has been completely and utterly ruined? Oh my God! What song do you suppose? What song I know what it is. never needs to be included in any film ever again? Bad to the yes! bone. Yes. Oh! Bad to the bone. George Thorogood, track number one. Bam! There you go. On that note, we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll come back and wallow more in the hopeless mire that is the radio industry. It's 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Oh, damn you. Don't give me the Dale Earnhardt soundtrack. And don't expect me not to use it. If you load that gun, I'm going to fire it, Rick. Oh, I hate myself. I bet this is the opening song to the Budman and Booger show. It's like they splice half of the Forrest Gump soundtrack and put it on What's here. What's the Leonard Skinner song? Um, is it Sweet Home Alabama? It is. Of course it is. And they have CCR, Fortunate Son. See, that's the thing. So it's, it's, and they have a Motley Crue song, too. Oh, God. What is it? Wild Side. See? So it's like half great, half crap. Brooks and Dunn, Hard Working Man. I think it's really just the inclusion of this song that ruins the whole thing. Charlie Daniels, The Intimidator. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right. 503-733-2970. That's the soundtrack to the upcoming motion picture, Dale, about a guy who drove in a circle. I'm giving it back to you. 503-733-2970. Let's see. Am I able to... Uh, my soundbite thing works? There it is. Probably it's not to Lisa Goddard. 
I wish I knew how to quit you. Please, can I kiss you on the mouth? Please let me. Good morning, Metolia. See, I can't hate this because it does have, it has Fortunate Son, it has Wild Side, it has, um, I mean, I really do like Sweet Home on uh, Alabama, it gets overplayed, but I do like that song. And then it's got I'm Gonna Be Somebody, which is a great Travis Tritt song. It's stolen from Bad Company's Shooting Star, written by Paul Rogers. Still a great song, though. Hello, Scotty J. Well, good morning, Grants Pass. How are you today? Doing great. I ran it, you caught me so by surprise, I had to, like, you know, think off the top of my head, what are some states, or some cities here in Oregon? What are some states? What in are the, some states in the United? How many in, in the, uh, out of the sixty sixty plus states we have? Did you ever figure out where in South America Iraq was located? <laughs> I said, okay, here's the deal on that. Let's get it all clear. Hold on, just before let's just back up here before we talk about anything else. Before we address whatever you came in here for, and then we'll talk to Lisa Goddard. Given the Miss Teen USA uh, from South Carolina, the contestant from South Carolina from Miss Teen USA, and her inability to, to explain why apparently one-fifth of Americans, or I'm sorry, U.S. Americans, are unable to find the United States on a map, she began, I would encourage you, by the way, to go to rickemerson.com, where there is a fantastic graphic that's been made for the benefit of Miss, uh, of Miss Teen USA contestant from South Carolina. Um, we then put the same question to you. The park lady is here. The pork lady, really? With the bacon? Fantastic. If you order any bacon, go up and collect your... This is the best show ever. Already. (laughs) So, Scotty, you you had been given the question about the the location of Iraq, and you had noted that it was somewhere in South America. Have ye figured out where in South America Iraq is located, Scotty? I have, but here's the problem with our youth today. A lot of sleep apnea, apnea or whatever they call it. And so you can't quite... Remember please, half the things you try to please learn. Please dispel you're... sleep apnea. <laughs> I can't. Please you to can, define. Can't say it. Please to define sleep apnea, where you're just up all the time and you can't sleep, and so then you're no, just exhausted. That's really wrong. Okay. Would you like to guess again? No. Nope. I know that. Uh, so the problem with Iraq our youth... is in Africa. Okay, up in the upper right corner, northern corner. The upper right corner. That's exactly how. Uh, that's exactly how Magellan would describe. But I, but I said Africa, and you guys gave me the old "Are you sure?" and then you made me change. I didn't make you it change. Was pressure. I I made no one change. You said Africa, and I said, "Are you sure?" and you said, "No, wait, South America." <laughs> that's because you said, "Are you sure?" threw me off. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not fair, Rick. <laughs> okay. So would you like to take one more stab at what's wrong? See, this is the problem with my crack about the music today and the kids. Then Scotty comes in and he starts lecturing. But Rick, let me tell you what's wrong with the youth today. And it somehow passively puts me in the same category as Scotty. Okay, starting today, I'm going to buckle down and I'm going to become much hipper. Uh, Scotty, <laughs> would you like to take one more stab at what's wrong with today's adolescence? Uh, parent... You already told us, Rick. Well, that's one Sleep of them. The other thing is parents... Which he can neither spell nor define. Parents aren't swatting them on the, the butt. Like they used to, and keeping them in line. All right. One more chance at spelling it sleep apnea. AP. N. Oh, this is a tough one. A P N E I A. Thank you. Welcome now. One extreme to the other, or to other, as my grandmother would say. From the Hill, CNN radio correspondent Lisa Goddard. Why, hello there. Hi. Hi. You know, Scotty. I don't even know how to respond to the sleep apnea. Let me just tell you that Scotty has many children and he votes. He votes (laughs) in every election. How are you? How are things? I hope you're not suffering from sleep apnea. Apnea. Yeah. What was the other word that Scotty was trying to spell before the show? Was it vitamin? Vitamin. We were talking about. Vitamin, really? 
there's sort of a stomach flu going around here at CBS. And Tim was, Tim was a little ill. I was under the weather. Sarah's kind of feeling a little churny today. And we, we weren't. Scotty, we said, hey, you know, be, be careful. You know, you might you know might feel bad. People kind of got a stomach upset going around. And Scotty remarked that he wasn't going to get sick because he was he was vitamining, I believe, is how he described it. That is what he said. And so there he, he does kind of operate. He sort of speaks off his own page. There's a, He's got his own lexicon that he works from. Right. Uh, Apparently... Hey. And I did. I did see your. I did see your map online. It's lovely. It's fantastic. The, and, uh, and very queer. I can't take credit for it. I don't know who made it. It's one of those. I got about seven hundred different people that emailed me that, that today. It is a. It's a tube or subway uh, map uh, for the the South Carolina contestant from Miss Teen USA. The really embarrassing thing about that is it was clearly made by someone in Britain, which means that. She is now our representative to the continent. That all of Europe is looking to Miss Teen USA from South Carolina as being the spokesperson for all of the U.S. Americans about (laughs) about the Iraq and so forth. Exactly. All right. Um, Well, there's nothing new to report about Senator Larry Craig, but as we noted earlier, that's not going to stop us from talking about him every five minutes. Did you find it strange that of all of the things he could have addressed, like the fact that he pled guilty to a crime, the fact that he tried to get out of it by being a senator, the fact that he didn't really bring it up to his constituents for three months until it was brought up in the press, that of all of the things to address, he just leapt right on the, I'm not gay, uh, (laughs) truck over and over again yesterday? He did. It was the the three three I'm not gays uh, inside of a couple of minutes. You know, at a certain point, you sort of about it. you do kind of slingshot around the uh, around the sun at a certain point, and the I'm not gay sort of becomes a passive sort of well, at least not that I'm going to say here. So is there? So he got uh, he got kicked right off the uh, right off the boat by Mitt Romney yesterday. Well, he resigned technically as chairman of Romney's Idaho campaign, but you're right, Romney wasted no time in saying that's disgusting. I mean, just really one of the most public condemnations from a Republican uh, of Senator Craig out there. Which, he, he didn't. He right. He wasted no time just saying you're a bad man, Senator Craig. Which I do have to, you know, as much as I'm not a Mitt Romney fan in many ways, I do have to kind of give it to that guy uh, that uh, you know he, Mitt Romney uh, didn't. He stuck to stuck to his ideological guns, uh, one might say, and he recognized uh, that you know that there was a little spot on the apple, and so the key was to just cut it out and get rid of it. Um, and I mean, you know, it, I, you know, because it, it, because if let's be honest, if Mitt Romney had not booted this guy out of his campaign, everybody would be leaping all over him for that. So right. you do have to give it to Mitt Romney that the one lesson he seems to have learned from the Bush administration uh, is to absolutely pick a position and stick to it and enforce it with just uh, the brutal force. So. Anyway, so so quo quo Vodimus Larry Craig. What what next for him? Ooh, yeah, you know, I, I think most folks believe at this point that he he really doesn't have a shot at running again. He he made he may though. He's he's known as a strong guy, uh, someone who sort of likes fighting in campaigns. Maybe he will run again, but Republicans here on Capitol Hill are hoping he doesn't, and and they don't think that he really has. Uh, the political capital, if you will, to do it. And it, it does seem like it would be a very difficult campaign. And th- if he would have to put his family through uh, probably daily regurgitation of this situation for the next year and a half. And so the Senate Ethics Committee is, I guess, looking into it. But, I mean, really, he's uh, already he's already pled guilty and 
I mean, did he? Here's a question. He pled guilty. What did that entail? Did he pay a fine? Did he? Did, did he? He did pay a fine. He paid about a five hundred dollar fine, and you know, there was no. It's a misdemeanor. There's no time involved. Anything like that. It was actually two counts. One of those counts was stayed, and the other count was what he pleaded guilty to. Now, and it, that's what he had the fine for. Would it be Would it be accurate of me to say that I sense in your tone a little distaste or displeasure at the fact that the that we're just making so much of this story? You know what? That's funny. I, I maybe uh, I didn't even maybe subconsciously I, I hadn't realized it. I felt that way yesterday, and I actually feel that way even more strongly today. I do sense that there is just this, <laughs> just this tiny little. I don't know that it's almost maybe even a subconscious sort of a tongue clucking uh, from you <laughs> oh, no. about the fact that we are just uh, that we are rolling around in the story like a dog on a freshly cut lawn. I'll tell you, it is what everyone. You know, my super big boss, as I call him. Uh, was in town is in town today. I'm not even sure why. And so I had breakfast with him, and he he wanted Larry Craig was what he wanted to talk about. And you know, there's tons I can say that you know isn't out there. Talk about that I do think is a little interesting. That after the arrest, uh, it was a Monday in June, just a few hours after he was arrested, had his mugshot, all that done. He did manage to make it to Washington, and he actually took some pretty big votes. He voted on that no confidence resolution. Uh, on Alberto Gonzalez, bizarrely, like those two stories are sort of intimately linked. Uh, and, and then it's interesting, the day he pleaded guilty on August 1st, and the next day he voted against the Senate ethics bill. So I think we talked about that yesterday. I still think that's pretty interesting. But, you know, I think that he, if he runs again, it's good news for the Democrats. They may have a shot at that seat. But if he doesn't, if he, if he doesn't, I think it, it will certainly stay Republicans, big Republican state. But, you know, okay, this, maybe I'm, I'm tipping too much to, to your theory here, uh, but I do, I also, boy, geez, I'm not reporting anything of substance today. Uh, I do have drunk astronaut news. Fantastic. I thought that you would, I thought you would be happy about that. NASA just ended a news conference in the last uh, 15 minutes, let's say something like that, uh, in which they have now, now, this report of the drunk astronauts, came out after uh, NASA did its investigation of a certain astronaut who was found wearing diapers and driving uh, potentially with uh, uh, fatal weapons against a romantic rival. Well, NASA investigated that situation, and but that committee really took a wide berth and as part of their investigation kind of looked at NASA's culture and in their report said that it had anonymous reports of the astronauts in two cases at least suiting up and going into space while they were so drunk that the flight surgeon didn't want them to go. And this is in a NASA report. Now NASA has done a follow-up investigation after that, after the press corps, of course, saw that and did many a story on it. NASA says now they can't find any evidence that that's true, that they've, they've talked to every flight surgeon working for NASA, that they've talked to 80% of the astronaut corps, uh, essentially hundreds and hundreds of people at NASA, and they say not a single person will verify that those stories are true. And in one case, they were able to prove through the timeline that, that it couldn't have been true, that, that the astronaut was basically in a place or in different locations where they wouldn't have had al al uh, access to alcohol for a long period of time before they suited up for flight. And so they say it was impossible in one case, and the other case they can't verify. So NASA here is defending itself, saying this isn't true at all, uh, there's no evidence that it's true. 
I don't know. Of course, it was an anonymous tip to begin with. NASA doesn't know where it came from. See, here's what, that kind of thing. Here's what I sense going on in your head the entire time uh, that you're talking about this story, which is a story, by the way, that we have followed uh, quite rapaciously. We have been with Ed McCarthy, especially, who was covering this for a long time. In your head, I always sense that there's just sort of a some sort of a, an internal sigh going on where you're thinking to yourself, "I went to school for 16 years. Right. I I I have multiple degrees. I'm talking about an astronaut wearing diapers and right. driving across the country to stab somebody." <laughs> It's okay. It's all right. I don't get me wrong. These are the kind of stories that we follow every day because we pander relentlessly to the lowest common denominator. I just, I do sense sometimes that you, you feel like your undoubtedly massive intellect is just being squandered oh, on these tabloid geez. trifles. Give me a break. Maybe you feel that way. I, I don't. Maybe, maybe some kind. I don't think so. I do feel like the news media, like we do have this sort of Britney Spears disease you know we are obsessed with all this stuff and you know it is what people want to hear but i kind of feel like there's always going to be someone who's going to do these stories you're going to get them and i feel like there are fewer people that are totally geeky like me and who want to be up here at the capitol and be like let me explain to you why the national debt <laughs> could change your world you know like I, I so i feel like the few of us that do want to do that need to try as much as as often as we can to do it because everybody there's going to be plenty of people you know can i just say want to talk to you about dead drunken celebrities can i just say that the un Bridled girlish enthusiasm with which you just talked about the national debt. Really, I can speak now for the entire audience. Everybody, they, everybody just wants to give you a mental hug right now. <laughs> really, that was just the most charming thing ever. And before you go, let me just tell you this: if yes. at any point you are, I don't know, if at any point you do feel like perhaps you are being forced to operate at a station beneath your uh, your education or your intellect, it's a no act level, if, if you will, yes. <laughs> If it, if at any point uh, you ever do feel like maybe you are not maximizing the potential of this fantastic broadcast instrument called radio, if you ever feel that maybe you are not reaching your full potential, you are not as self-actualized, as Maslow would say, then... I want you to reflect on the fact that I received in the mail today an air check package from a radio program called The Budman and Booger Show. Oh, no, really? Right here, in my hand. I hold in my hand the demo kit from the Budman and Booger program. So That's really, I mean, how, it's a kit. What's involved in a kit? Uh, some bad Photoshop graphics and a guy who has a copy of Word Perfect and decided to use every single font all in one package. Uh, and and, a, and a, an air check demo, which I have not yet played, but which I'm sure is sterling. So really. This, in your darkest hour, regret uh, regret nothing, because they are Budman and Booger, and you are Lisa Goddard. It, can you name the movie that, well, there probably were several, but uh, can you name a movie in which uh, uh, one character was named Booger? Oh, really? Are you are you honestly asking me Yeah, this? I am. I'm just putting it out there. How many can you name, actually? I think I can only name uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, there... that's the only one. I thought maybe there'd be more, but that yeah, that's what I was thinking of, of course. <laughs> All right, we've come full circle. Excellent. <laughs> it is always a pleasure, and I mean that sincerely. So, all right, Lisa, enjoy the rest of your day, and we will uh, we'll talk about something uh, substantive tomorrow. Oh, great. All right, bye now. Bye. All right, there you go. Scotty is, by the way, typed on the screen, and apnea has a TH in it somewhere. Uh-huh. All right. Hi, you're, uh, you're calling about Sarah's... Um... Oh, no, we apparently... Okay, that call went away. Somebody wanted to know if... Somebody wanted to know if you had morning sickness. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's the name of the Budman and Booger AM Drive Show. Budman and Boogers, Morning Sickness. Uh, <laughs> no, hey, I do not have Morning Sickness. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I just had a comment about Scotty J. Um, 
about him his inability to find the uh, country of Iraq. Yeah. Um, that, that's uh, I have one one thing to say about that, which would be I'm Republican. Uh, <laughs> seriously, if you can't find Iraq in the world, if you're obviously know that we've been bombing it and you know whatnot, sending missiles over there for the last five years. He's yeah. all he's all angry. He's typing angry missives at you at the show. I know where it is. I'll point right to it. He said. So, yeah, that's 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 pretty. Um, you know, I would probably give the the girl, the North Carolina girl, a little slack just because she's probably young and uh, I would assume blonde. But Scotty J, a grown man, seriously, come on. No, it's um, it's true. Yeah. Scotty does feel that the uh, the girl from South Carolina is quote a babe though, which I imagine writes all wrongs in his world. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit. But, you should uh, totally yeah. call the Bud Man and Booger Show and see if they know where it is. Oh, this yeah. is here's the best thing. Just let me just say this. I, okay. I continue to be fascinated by this media kit they've sent me. It says here at the top in huge letters, in case you didn't know what you were receiving, exclusive professional air check. Uh, so, professional, yeah. Exclusive, exclusive to everybody in radio who has an email address that they can spam. All right, uh, excellent. Thank you, hey, my friend. I, yes? I have one more comment for yes. you guys. I know, I know you're a big fan of pop music, and this is just a band I thought you might like because they do, they do hand claps in their music, and it's fantastic. How, um, how that, predictable have I become? Yes. No, 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 no. Sarah, Sarah might know them too. I don't know. They're fantastic. They're called the Changes, though. The, and uh, the change, big... the Changes. Yeah, if you're a big fan of pop music, they are. Which fantastic. I am. Which I they am. Would, they are fantastic. They're out of Chicago, so um, just a little, just a little work for them. Check them out. The Changes. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. Yeah. All right right on. Later. Thank you. There you go. All right. Well, you know, ah, never mind. We don't have to talk about it now. We'll, uh, we'll, re- we'll revisit this. Let me uh, now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. On the mellow tip from New York City, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kassenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today? Doing good. Doing good. How's life? How are things? How was your time back in Manhattan after being in Peru? Uh, I'm I'm uh, getting acclimated again, reacclimated. Now, is there a time change or a time shift or something? Um, Peru was one hour behind New York. See, the whole thing weirds me out. Is there? Let me ask you this. Uh, I suppose the answer is that it's directly opposite us on planet Earth. But I was going to ask what country you could visit that is actually the most, uh, the furthest away from us time-wise. Would that be China? Um, I don't know. I went to, I went to um, to uh, Australia. I was in Sydney. I'm trying to remember what the time difference was. It was it was weird. It was like a was it a 17 hour time difference because it was so far away from New York that it was you know. Closer to California, you know what I mean. The, um, the weird thing is, is when you talk to people, uh, you know, where it is already, where it's already like tomorrow, and then you have to like, like I've I've have done the whole thing. I'm trying to figure out how to set up a phone call with somebody, play where it is literally already like next week or something. The whole thing just starts to bend your brain at a certain point. Um, let me ask you about this Barry Bonds guy because this I was talking to Jim Roop about this when the Bonds record is broken, and I think Roop at the time was saying that there was no way the guy was going to be able to hold on to it, uh, right? Because he was already you know because it was assessed at something like what like five hundred grand or something. Yeah, and he's a twenty-one-year-old guy from Queens. He works here in New York. Doesn't make a lot of money, and he was told that if he kept the ball, he would actually have to pay taxes on the estimated value of the ball. And he was like, I can't do that. And he also would have had to invest in a security system, you know, wherever he kept the ball. So he decided to auction it off, and it's currently being auctioned off. Bids are being taken now through September 15th. All right. And so this is the deal that if he keeps it, he has, if somehow he did contrive to keep this, um, is it that he pays a, a, a tax on it once? This is not a thing that's assessed, like, yearly or some crap, right? This is like a, a one-time thing. It's really unclear to me. He was telling me 
that the people he talked to, attorneys and, and uh, accountants, told him he would have to pay tax on the assessed value of this ball. Whether or not that was an annual assessment or not, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm really not certain how, why he'd have to pay taxes on, on a foul ball, that he, that, not a foul ball, but a home run ball, that he caught you know, just because he was a fan at a stadium. I'm not sure why he had to pay tax on that. If nobody's actually paid $500,000 right. for it, yeah. Exactly. See, that's my thing. Is that I don't understand how, and I guess the answer is because of the government and they have guns, but I don't really understand how the government can tax you on something when it has only a theoretical value. I mean, if nobody's actually stepped up and said they're willing to pay that, uh, it, then it seems like it, like just the most speculative of taxes. And here's my other question. I got two questions, probably neither of which you can answer just because they are very theoretical. But A, what if you're not this 21-year-old guy? What if you're some 10-year-old and you catch the Barry Bonds ball? Does your dad get hit for 150 grand in taxes? Yeah, it, it seemed really sketchy to me. I mean, he, he seemed sincere, but I don't know. I, I think, you know, Maybe he's downplaying the fact that he's got a half a million dollar, you know, item in his possession, and he could really use the money. Maybe that's it. I mean, he, he sincerely wants the ball to be displayed in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He's hoping whoever buys it will put it on loan to the Baseball Hall of Fame, at least for a while. So, I don't know. I mean, if, if I'm 21 years old and all of a sudden this ball falls into my lap and I find out it's worth half a million dollars, I'm selling it. Yeah, well, I suppose. I mean, I, I guess it's you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's whatever. If he you know sells it for two hundred grand, it's two hundred grand he didn't have before. The whole tax thing is just sort of mystifying to me, though, because it makes you wonder: is this, and is there a whole, uh, is there a whole series of tax brackets for things like this? So if you get the Barry Bonds seven hundred and fifty-six ball or whatever, you know, it's worth like five hundred grand. You know, is is the guy who caught ball seven hundred and fifty-seven or something? You know, is that like do they assess? All levels of, you know, I mean, are there are there balls of every kind being caught all over the country? That some IRS guy, well, look, I, you know, like if you catch the, you know, the Little League World Series home run ball, does some guy come up and assess that at nine dollars or something? The whole thing, it really just does seem like an opportunity for the government to just swoop in and grab a bunch of money because the laws are so ill-defined that there's really no way to stop them from doing it. Yeah, maybe so. he can join that couple up in New Hampshire that's I was, I barricaded. Was, I was just going to do that. I was totally going to do the callback and say maybe he can just barricade himself in some sort of a, in the Airstream <laughs> trailer up in the woods. Oh, yeah. Excellent. All right, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, I got a real quick uh, yes. news, news break, though, uh, yes. although you might have already heard, and Sarah would probably be interested in this. The founder of CBGB's died today. L uh, Hilly Crystal? Uh, yeah, he died a little a couple of hours ago. Really? From lung cancer, yeah. I didn't know that. That sucks. Yeah, it really does. I was there for the last day. I covered the closing of, of the club. I was there for the Patty Smith uh, performance, and I got to interview him, and he was really, you know, adamant about wanting to reopen the club somewhere else. And I, I heard they were going to open it in Vegas. They were actually going to move the actual bricks and mortar and whatever wow. and, and open it in Vegas, but I don't know if that ever happened. They literally, I watched them do it. They took out the infamous urinals from the yeah. men's room. Yeah. They saved them because they want to install them wherever they reopen the club. Hilly Crystal. Well, that guy's a pioneer. I mean, I mean, it was, it was, you know, people always talk about CBGBs as regards the Ramones, but it was not just the Ramones. It was the Ramones. It was the Talking Heads. It was television. Blondie. Uh, Blondie. Yeah, Debbie Harry and Blondie. Um, I mean, it was just a billion bands that came out of that place over the years because it was for a long time the only venue for what was then called New Wave Pop, uh, you know, which later sort of splintered off into a lot of subgenres. But, boy... 
Well, that I mean, he really is a pioneer. He's one of those guys, if he's not already, he's one of those guys they ought to stick in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, really, he does deserve it. Hilly Crystal does. I agree with you uh, 100%. It's so sad to drive by there uh, today and, and not see that awning and not see the door. What is it now? Because the last, because the, when I was in New York the last time, because that CBGB's was right on, it was what, Joey Ramone Place or Joey Ramone Boulevard? Right. Uh, Joey Ramone Way, I think is what okay. they renamed it, but it's on the Bowery. And so what is what is there now if you drive down that street? Is it just uh, I don't even know what they replaced it with. It's un, it, it's sort of uh, undergoing renovations. You know you know the whole story behind that was there there's a homeless shelter on the upper floors of the building, and the guy who owned the homeless shelter really wanted to expand that uh, that not, not business but that nonprofit, and he was saying that you know I can get ten times the rent for this this property, and and he wanted out. He wanted CBGBs out essentially, so he can increase the rent, so he could expand his nonprofit. It wasn't even like it was, you know, some nefarious uh, landlord who just wanted to make a quick buck. You know, wanted to be, uh, based upon you know uh, the growing real estate market in New York. He really wanted to expand this homeless men's shelter, and uh, so it was like, you know, who do you side with? You know, right. Hilly Crystal. So anyway, there's like a reno- renovations going on there. Supposedly, it's going to be yet another. Shishi restaurant. Well, yeah, of course, because New York doesn't have enough of those. There's just yeah, right. Not enough upscale eateries in New York where you pay $12 for a glass of water. That's yeah. a horrible thing here. We don't protect uh, any of our history. You know, all those joints in Harlem where swing dancing w- was born and, and, and big band music was born, they're all gone. We don't protect, protect anything here. There is a real weird... Uh, picking and choosing about what qualifies as historical uh, artifacting in New York, especially with, and, and not just in New York, but across the country, but and especially stuff that is from a more recent but still very important era so often is you know overlooked and just gets a date with the wrecking ball. So that's uh, uh, so that sucks. All right. It really is sad. I'm sorry I took up time. Oh, show. no, 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 not at all. I, I actually didn't even know about that. So I kind of came in. I was, I've been running late all day today. Uh, so I actually didn't even know that Hilly Crystal had passed away. All right. Well, thank you for the update, my friend. My pleasure. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Hilly Crystal. Well, that sucks. And well, not Billy Crystal. Not Billy Crystal. No, we couldn't be he that just said, Yeah, he just said it really sounded like he said Billy Crystal. No. Like, what? <laughs> yes, famed, famed punk painter Billy Crystal died today. Uh, 75. No, Scott, Scotty. Did he choke on vomit? Are you still missing a fifth person for the choked on vomit yeah, top was, five? What was the argument with the Elvis thing with him? Oh, uh, I don't know. We'll revisit it next okay. hour. Scotty came in during the break and was trying to make some case... That, that Elvis that choked on vomit. He choked on shag carpeting. There's no vomit involved, to the best of my knowledge. All right. Uh, Tim Riley, are you uh, prepared to do the news hour? Oh, yes. Fantastic. All right. Back after this, it is the... Uh, Mama Cass didn't choke on anything. It's an urban legend. He choked on carpet. She... What kind of carpet, Tim? A shag carpet. Well, it was the 70s. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show.
agonizing over vomit deaths. He's throwing out the name of every dead person he can come up with. Did they choke on vomit? What if I said they did? Would people believe me? It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, are ye prepared for Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth? It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The funnel's over for a woman who spent $800 at the Oregon Fair with a stolen credit card. This Dallas-area woman apparently allegedly used her ex-employer's stolen business card to pay for fun at the state fair. 38-year-old Carly Nelson used the card for vendor merchandise, including teddy bears and $85 in beef jerky. The troopers working at the Oregon State Fair were contacted by a Dallas electrical company. They were told someone was using a stolen company credit card to charge more than $800 over the weekend. This is after the fact, apparently. Uh, they arrested uh, Nelson on charges of theft, forgery, identity theft, and 14 counts of fraudulent use of a credit card. Uh, the cops said the unlawfully purchased merchandise has been returned, including the teddy bear. And we don't know if she ate any of this $85 of beef jerky Was the teddy bear clutching an American flag? It may have been. Did the teddy bear say, I love you, across oh, the front? Possibly. Let me just, by well, the way. I love beef jerky. <laughs> Do you ever? You know, but the thing is, beef jerky, you wouldn't know this, Tim, but beef jerky is so unbelievably expensive that really, how many how many dollars of beef jerky? Like 80, 85. $85 of beef jerky. How much beef jerky does that buy? Like three or four pieces. Beef jerky is unbelievably expensive. Beef jerky or pemmican, which is, uh, which I, it was like, I don't know, that's some the, the Indian tribe word for, what is it? What does pemmican mean? It's, it's something much, something small space, much food. Something, is that an Indian term? <laughs> Yes, it's from Bangladesh. Oh. Um, no, but it, uh, beef jerky is one of those things that guys especially really love, especially when you're a kid. When you were like a 14-year-old boy, beef jerky is it's sort of like bacon. It's just one of the best things ever created. Um, but it's just unbelievably expensive. Beef jerky is really pound for pound. I think it's more than gold. Um, so you're better off getting bacon. Yes. Well, there's plenty of it upstairs. I just saw Freshly the... slaughtered bacon. I just saw the... Home slaughtered. I just saw the uh, the pork woman home walking grown, around. Rick. I'm home sorry, grown. homegrown. Take a picture of a pig with a smile on its face. Or <laughs> Eat me. Eat me. <laughs> I'm good for you. Mmm, <laughs> blockage. Uh, I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh, just on the subject of teddy bears, though. Mm-hmm. If you go to that uh, that Safeway in my neighborhood, they've got this um, one of those machines, the the, the toy crane machine, where oh, you yeah, put fifty cents that. in, and then your idiot kid tries to tries to win something and fails. Um, but they had just some of the creepiest. I, I don't know where they get the stuffed animals that are in this toy crane machine at the Safeway near my house. They're probably full of lead. I they're they're full of they're full of evil is what they're full of. They're just all kinds of strange creatures that don't make any sense. Like one of them is. I swear to God, it's like a zebra in a teddy bear outfit holding a flag and, like, clutching a wand in the other hand. And I don't understand what factory makes that, who designs it, what child wants it. There's a I'd whole like lot to of, see that. There's a bunch of toys that warp your kid. Well, you'll never see because it's impossible to win anything out of those machines. Those machines, man... That's the money I got to get it on. Those machines are just the greatest scam going. Any of those like redemption games? Yeah. That really is just it's not really so much candy from from children as it is just money from children is what those machines take. Uh, let's see. What do we uh <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh 
let's see. Hi. Hello, sir. You're on the Rick Emerson Show about beef jerky time. Well, it's pemmican. That's, pemmican. that's the American Indian version of neutral loaf they serve in prisons. That's fruit and nuts and berries and meat and everything else ground up and flattened into patties and dried in the sun. So this is, wait, so pemmican is not beef jerky? Well, it might have beef in it, but more likely... <laughs> Everything should have beef in it, sir. Other kinds of... Uh, Teddy bears, Doritos, beef. there should be beef in everything. Well, Blinkies. I agree, you know, but uh, you know, you get the blackberries and the blueberries and the, uh, the the leftover venison from last winter, and you, yeah, mix it all together and dry it in the sun, and that's pemmican. It's nourishing, it's filling, you can, you'll keep forever, but um, not really very uh, appetizing. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Oh, that is so cruel, comparing Priscilla Presley to an ape. Why would... Apparently they look just oh, like... See, oh, well, I can see that. It's sort there of is like, a resemblance. Sort of the way she purses her lips. Uh-huh. Yeah, all right. Oh, they're comparing her to Lucy, which is that hominid skeleton from like nine billion years ago. Mm. All right. Well, here's something that nobody should do because there's no call. We're stopping a shoplifter at a Vancouver Fred Meyer. There would be no reward for it. There's no reason to stop it. Let them steal. A good Samaritan was injured while trying to catch a shoplifter in the coop at the Fred Meyer last night. This is the one on Fourth Plane. Uh, this is after an employee confronted the fellow for shoplifting just before 10.30. The customer tried to stop the shoplifter after he jumped into an awaiting vehicle. When he leaned into the suspect's vehicle from the passenger side, the driver simply stepped on the gas, causing the customer to fall to the ground. Uh, no witnesses saw the license plate. About a half an hour, though, they uh, spotted uh, the, the vehicle, and the arresting driver is Andrew Bartholomew, who he, he faces assault and felony hit-and-run charges. Uh, Bartholomew said he barely knew the shoplifting suspect, whose name was Sid. Please continue to search for him uh, this morning. The injured Good Samaritan is 47-year-old Ricky Castellanos of Rose Village. What possible upside did he think there was going to be in being a Good Samaritan at a Fred Meyer in Vancouver? I don't know. I mean, really, where did he think that was going to take him in his life? Like he was going to end up on Oprah? Yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Rick, please, 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 this email says, please, 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 you must be having Budman and Booger on your radio program. Please, please, please have them on as guests. It would be genius. Signed, uh, okay, thanks, bye. All right. Yeah, yeah you we'll, can let him come in, we'll do a live audition. During the first break, come and say, uh, this isn't going to work out. This isn't going to work out. But can... continue to do the show. Did you see that at the top of this, at the top of the Budman and Booger uh, uh, press kit, it says, exclusive professional air check. That is really something. Because nothing says professional like a badly photoshopped version of the American Idol logo into which you have uh, pasted the word radio over the top of Idol. And then, check this out. Here's page two of the Budman and Booger press kit. There is a, this is where's this stolen from? This of course is stolen from the iPod advertisements. This is a uh, it's a stylish dressed black woman swaying her head saucily with with sunglasses that is on. Saucy oh. swaying. And I, it, I need more of that booger man. Earphones in, clearly enjoying the funk soul stylings of the Budman and Booger show. So there you go. What's page three? Qualifications. An incredible. Okay, Bud, Man, and Booger, are there apparently, they speak about themselves apparently as a single person. Qualifications. An incredible writer. I guess one of <laughs> Even if they can't quite get the whole uh, singular or plural thing down, apparently, apparently they are an incredible writer. And able to compose comedy. 
The ability to find answers to anything on the Internet. These are not skills. These, I'm sorry. I hate to be making fun wow. of a show by name, but really, honestly, for the, I'm saving everybody some trouble here. They're probably sitting by their phone right now expecting a phone call. Oh, my God. Maybe Scotty J should fulfill their wishes. Well, they, uh, let's see, what else do they have here? They have a, uh, they recently worked for CBS. I won't say, I don't even know if I should say the, uh, if I should say the station. They recently, yeah, go ahead. They re, well, Maybe they're listening. They did re, until recently work for a week, work for CBS radio in Sacramento. Uh, let's see. They apparently had a cable access show at one point. Well, that's good. Everyone should. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, wait, here's a picture. Here's a picture of them. Oh, but it cuts off their faces. Oh, that's unfortunate. I want to see what they There's look like. There's not a booger to be seen. No. <laughs> now I have to Oh, now I have to go to my... Uh, oh, wait, here's the ear check. Who wants to hear some sound? Nigel. <gasps> man and booger. Please, All right, hold please. On. Sarah, is my computer up? It is. All right, let's see if I can get this to, uh, see if I can get this to play over here. Okay, now see, it's doing that thing again. Why does it not want to... Uh, my computer's acting a little weird in terms of... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I got it. So, I think oh. this is it. This is it. That's how it started last time. All right. Well, Not even see. a jingle? Yeah, it says it's playing, but there's actually, there's no actual... Nice going, Bud Booger Man. <laughs> well done. Fantastic air check. Yes, it doesn't actually want to, uh, doesn't actually want to play. It doesn't want to play. It only, it, it plays only when you don't want it to. Hmm. Well, and here well, I thought I was going to get the job. Here, here I thought I was, here I thought I was going to be able to ring all kinds of. Yeah, for the love. But that must be a phone bit. And now for Budman and Boogers Mind Blowing Monday. Call the party line now. Party line Take now. Ticket in the rear rack at seven six six KSFM. It's Monday. Yeah. We made it through the weekend. We're survivors. That's right. Back at the grind once again. Right. Where's my yeah, iPod? I'm excited. <laughs> I can't handle that kind of thing anymore. Jim, this is your iPod now. Where is your pod now? Yeah, because we we got lots of stuff to do this week. I love the yeah, cheering no, in the background. We're counting down to Hip Hoptoberfest. Awesome. I'm really Hip Hoptober. Oh my god. And it's not Jeez. just Hip Hoptober, it's Hip Hoptoberfest. They've combined like nine things. Excited about that. Huge concert. Got more info on that in moments. And lots of stuff to give away, too, so. Yeah. Including Lupe Fiasco concert tickets at the Aquabar. Aquabar's cool. That's going to be a pimp. Plus, yeah, state fair tickets. I can feel myself getting stupider while well, I listen to this. Pimp my ride. Let's play more of a... Uh... All right, well, get ready to pick up your phones and interact. 766-KSFM. They see me rolling. Where's KSFM? Oh, the phone's ringing boogers. Time now for... for Jesus. Oh, yes. The phones are ringing booger. No, I think you said boogers. Jesus. Oh, maybe there are two of them. There's someone cranking us up on the telephone. Good God <laughs> almighty. Oh, the phone's ringing boogers. Time now for First Caller Baller for your chance to win Steve. First, first Caller baller. baller. I'm writing these catchphrases down. And then, Good. Do that and then blow my brains out. There's 766 KSFM. Here's another, here's another Hip-Hop-Toberfest artist. Neo. Only from Sacramento's number one station for hip-hop and R&B. KSFM 1025. So are they still working there? Yes, yeah, Sarah? Okay, no, but I'm thinking, like, a lot of hip-hop stations have, you know, actually, like, edgy... This is you know. their air check. These segments are all 40 seconds long. Mm. This is not an unscoped air check, booger and guy, buttman. Ballman. 
So they're currently employed. Is that safe to say? I don't. I don't really know the. Uh... Now for Bud Mad and Booger, random activity. Call the party line now to interact at seven six six KSFM. The party line may be mislabeled. Movies. We all watch them. Yep. <laughs> Stuff. We all like it. Things. We enjoy them. Food. We all eat it. Oh, Sarah, don't be too hard. They are just bragging on themselves. It's all some, about the movies. Some of us uh, make it a point to go to the movies every single weekend. This really is edgy entertainment. You've got to let it go for I'm like I'm tired of this envelope pushing. Leave, right? I do. Yep. There's all kinds of different movies, too, like the drive-ins. Some, days. some people prefer Cable, to watch movies at satellite. home though, on DVD, like Booger, that you're is, a DVD person. Yeah, because they, they got really got their finger on the pulse. So. They got their finger on the pulse. Okay, I know that, I know that I, I'm, I'm interrupting again, but Sarah, let me just say this. I know that I was sounding like a snarky old guy earlier when I was saying that I just that I was looking through the music the catalog and I was just like I'm not in with the kids. Didn't understand a lot of the young people's music today, hmm. but really listening to this has made me feel ever so much uh, in tune with society. Really, I feel like the bar has been set so low now for me to just to have any sort of grasp on the popular pulse. That's his butt cheeks falling asleep in those chairs. So uh, I, dude, butt cheeks. Have you ever been to a really bad movie that's really slow, long, and boring? Boring. That's called the butt cheek herder because you got to keep shifting from left oh, cheek oh, to right cheek. Right cheek. Oh. Oh, oh. What'd they say? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but that's the name of this game. If you if you tend to watch a lot of movies or be a couch potato like us, uh, you'll excel well. It's called Quick Flick. Guess the, qu- guess the flick real, real quick. Call it in. 766-KSFM. 916-Ericofi out of towners. It's a telethon. <laughs> Alright, so you ready for the clip tonight? Yeah. Alright, here it is. I can't take any more of this. I have to play whatever the next. Let me just do one more here and then we'll. They've got some weird embedded like. Vandenberg got the updates coming up next. Hey, yeah. You don't have to. I swear to God, that's an entire. That's one of the. That's cut number four. Got the updates coming up next. It's a five second snippet. It's that. So apparently they're able to. Okay. Do production. <laughs> well, if you want to call it that. Mm. Let's see if this, uh, let's see if this. Okay, it's about 102.5 Sacktown. It's everyone station for hip hop and R&B. Budman and Booger. And coming up next is the infamous dumpster dive. Got my spelunking gear ready. I'm going deep. <laughs> Booger's going to jump in the radio station dumpster, find something. Gross. Booger's going to jump in the radio station dumpster. I will never <laughs> feel bad about working here ever again. Ever, ever, ever. Seriously, life isn't bad enough. Your name is Booker, and you're want... rooting around in people's like old microwave well, well, bins and stuff. Tim and I were talking about if they fought over who got to be Booker and who got to be Booker. I, I always have to be Booker. You be Booker this time, stupid head. Jesus. All right. All right, let's all take a moment to just cleanse that out of our heads. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, Katie Carey cast a girl. Uh, now they're sending... Katie Couric from the company that brought you Budman and Booger. Mm-hmm. They're sending her to Iraq. And then if that doesn't work, they'll send her to Syria, if she lasts that long. Uh, this is going to be a 12-day uh, trip. It isn't a relaunch of the newscast. It comes the week after Labor Day when the TV season begins and evening viewership increases. They hope so for Katie. Uh, let's see. Oh, she was an able correspondent at one time, apparently. They're sending Carrick with a skeleton contingent, including someone named Kaplan, the D.C. Bureau Chief, and editor Jerry Capencio, 
keep the profile as low as possible. As they move outside the green zone, uh, they're leaving today, and they'll spend uh, several days reporting before going live for the Middle East beginning September 14th. Anchor duties in New York will be shared between early uh, news anchor Russ Mitchell and co-anchor Harry Smith. The future of our involvement in Iraq will be decided when the uh, Petros report has been released. Now, that's a Petrius, whatever his name is. But we're going to go there anyway. So uh, we'll see if she survives. <coughs> Once again, the great thing about the cough button... And my mic's blown. ...is when you are surrounded by microphones uh-huh. that are still on, that it just sort of adds this interesting echoey ambience to it. All right. So uh, Katie Couric's uh, being sent abroad. Okay. I wonder if they're trying to send her a message. I wonder if it's... Do you suppose the message is, is clear enough at this point? It's him and I were talking about that this morning. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hilarious. There's some speculation. Was there speculation? When you say there was some speculation, do you just mean from you? No, and on the Internet. What was the speculation, Sarah? Well, I, And this not is mere anything. speculation. This is not our... This is not opinion. anything that I would ever Not think. the opinion of, the, of CBS, <laughs> of course, in any way. I know, it's just kind of funny that they're sending her to the... The most dangerous place on Earth? Yes. And then it's a continued tour. She's going to every most. <laughs> How long am I going to stay here? And, 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 and they're only sending you with a takes. skeleton crew as to not arouse too much suspicion. Don't they normally have people who guard me? No, you don't I mean, people don't even oh, know yeah. who she is here. No. <laughs> Who's going to know who she is over there? She'll have to pose in a white skirt leaning up against things as she walks through Baghdad. Showing her legs. Yes, stepping on some rubble. <laughs> stepping on burnt out skulls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's wrong to laugh at that. I'm just saying, it is a little suspicious. That it, I mean, I'm not saying uh, in any way that any of that speculation on the Internet has even a grain of truth to it. It it just is a little, uh, it just is a little irregular. That's all I'm saying. All the phones ringing, buggers! Here's uh, Tim Riley. <laughs> Well, all the uh, military folks in Iraq are really upset that they won't let them use a ray gun on the people there. It is a ray gun that neither kills nor maims, but the Pentagon has refused to deploy it out of concern that the weapon itself is called a torture device. It's perched on a Humvee or a flatbed truck. This is an active denial system that uh, gives people hit by the invisible beam the sense that their skin is on fire. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I shouldn't oh. have laughed at the phrase, their skin is on fire. It's That's just, something that we want to do. It's just an interesting conglomeration of words. Mm-hmm. My skin, my skin, my skin is on fire. I am giddy today. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. There's something weird in the air today. All right. So apparently uh, this was enthusiastically endorsed by the Pentagon. Of course it was. And it, they said it was critical for the Marines in Iraq to have this system. And the senior officers in Iraq continue to make the case that this is a non-lethal weapon. It provides excellent means to uh, go after the enemy. It just makes them feel like they're burning up, but it really doesn't hurt them permanently. Burning up with uh, burning up with American patriotic fever, Tim. They have spent $62 million developing and testing the system over the past decade, a scant amount compared to the high-profile multi-billion dollar military programs. They say the technology is too expensive, but this thing is ready to go now. I'm pretty sure that the LAPD has this. We asked Rupert about this. Because the LAPD, they get all the cool, uh, like, weird non-lethal weapons. Like, the LAPD, they have that gun that just sprays you with a weird viscous goo uh, that then solidifies. The LAPD has the coolest gun. I saw this, uh, this documentary about it on the Discovery Channel where they... It was this gun that shoots... Uh, it looks like... Um, 
really wide brown silly string. It's sort of like... Uh, oh, like Spider-Man? Yeah, ex- kind of like that. It, it's sort of like... Um, uh, it's like one of those things that, that chefs use to put like uh, icing and flowers on top of a cake. It kind of mm. sprays out stuff that's about that thickness and consistency, but then it hits you and it solidifies. And then you end up being like Newt in Aliens, where you're, you know, where Ripley finds her inside the alien nest and she's just a, she's been pinned down by all that weird, just that weird viscous mucus-like substance. So the LAPD has some stuff that they can just hit an entire crowd with, and then you're just frozen in some sort of a weird icing pod. There's that. They apparently have also got, and I don't think they've deployed this yet, but the LAPD has also got this device that they can point at cars, and they pull the trigger, and it just turns your car's engine off, which is fan. And I think it only works on cars that are made, like, after 1998. But they just point this gun at your car, and it fires some sort of an invisible beam, and your car just stops running, which is wonderful. I just, I love the idea that we are slowly turning into, um, just completely turning into, uh, into you know, the OCP-occupied police forces here. So, all right, there you go. Oh, have you, Sarah, did you send me this thing about Tom Cruise? Yeah. This is, where is this from? Um, one of the websites, one of the blogs that I go to. This is from, uh, let's see. So, according to Star Magazine, Isabella and Connor Cruise. Now, where did he get these children from? These are the ones that him and Nicole Kidman adopted a long time ago. He's never actually, he's never been with anybody who's actually excreted a child. Mimi Rogers didn't have any kids. No. No. And uh, it was a miracle that Katie Holmes was able to have a child with him. It was a miracle, you mean? And then it looks so much like Chris Klein. Oh, that's right. Okay, they did. This is how long ago I quit caring about Tom Cruise. So they did have the one little baby that looks a lot like Chris Klein. Sorry, that's it looks right. Exactly like I Chris Klein. I've forgotten about that. And who looks strangely Asian too? Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. That the Cruise baby looks a little bit. It's like an Asian American pie star. Um, Isabella and Connor Cruz have been shipped off to Scientology camp, according to Star Magazine. Isabella, 14, and Connor, age 12, are uh, said to be spending their summer at a camp outside of Portland. No. Oregon. I'm sorry. Portland. There we go. Portland, Oregon. You know what's weird is that a lot of bizarre things are set right outside of Portland, Oregon. Yes, it is. Like, even in Lost, that's where the, um... That's where the scientific like center is set, right outside of Portland. And they have it says here. This is the blogger's opinion. The blogger says the Scientology camp is like your regular camp, but they also learn Scientology coursework and how to make baby robots and deny their sexuality. So there you go. That's, I'm sure there's nothing of this sort happening on there. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Well, let's find out what the Scientology camp is. Totally. Oh, by, uh, by the way, trip. this guy says, Rick, I called KSFM Sacramento, and the board op says that Booger and Bud Man are spending more time with their families and also drinking heavily. Thank you, sir. Here's Tim Riley. I wonder why. I, I can't I can't possibly imagine. It does sound like quality programming. All the phones ringing, buggers. Tim, Tim Riley. Oh, I remember... Uh, Richard Jewell, who was wrongly suspected in the 96 Olympic bombing. Boy, how much does that guy's life suck? It sucks even worse. Now he's dead. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh the phone's ringing, buggers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have nowhere to go. <laughs> I have. There's no. There's nowhere to go from there. Okay. Do you have more, or is it just that? He died of natural causes. Okay. He was 44. No, I was just going to say there are no natural causes there. Oh, my goodness. You die of natural causes when you're like 89 years old and a husk. There's no suspicion whatsoever of any type of foul play. Or suicide. He's been sick. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Sick of living. 
So that's that. He was cleared of any wrongdoing. Yeah, never. I don't think he ever put got his a... life back together. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, he was on a real comeback. He was. On, I, I don't look. I don't mean to laugh, but he's dead. What does he care? Yeah. Richard Jewell was the guy that, if you remember this, the the Olympic Village bombing that happened in was Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, there was a, which Eric Rudolph eventually was found guilty of. Eric Rudolph was the guy who was hiding on the in the Appalachian shrubs or whatever for like four years, and he bombed a bunch of abortion clinics because God told him to do it. But he also bombed the Olympic Village. But Richard Jewell, who was a security guard, was, I mean, really, that's a guy that I will. He's one of those guys that was killed by the media. And I don't really mean killed like we killed uh, Howard Dean. Joe wasn't killed by Hillary Clinton. She's been known to do that. He does have a circle of death around her, doesn't she, Scotty? Mm-hmm. Um, but Richard Jewell was this guy that just happened to just happened to be in the area. Like, he was a security guard, I think, was just wandering through and happened to be on some surveillance camera because he worked there. And immediately, every single news outlet, all you heard, they just plastered his name everywhere as, like, suspect number one. And it turned out eventually he was just, like, going to buy a funnel cake or something. Like, he just happened. It was the very definition of wrong place, wrong time, wrong guy. Um... But then, as the media does, they just they just assassinated that guy's character for about six solid weeks. And then later, when it turned out that he wasn't guilty of anything, they, they put that on page E5 by the grocery and tackle ads. Um, and then they eventually nailed uh, Eric Rudolph for it, but I don't think Richard Jewell ever got uh, another like a, a decent job. I don't think the guy ever like, reassembled his meager, shattered existence. So, uh, so there you go. And now he's dead. No, I was just on uh, KSFM's webpage. They now have something called the World Famous Morning Show on, featuring Trejo, Wayne, Juan, and DJ Charlie Ramos. So these two guys are... So Bud, Man and Booger are yesterday's news. Mm-hmm. I wonder where else they've worked. Let's look. Let's see. Phoenix, San Antonio, uh, Reno. Let's see. Uh, and then they were in, they did the night program. So who's doing nights now at KSFM, which is also known as Wild 1025? Who is doing nights at uh, what market is Sacramento, Tim? Do you know offhand? I think it might be a little bit bigger than this, but not right. that much. So someone named Rue is doing evenings there. Uh, Rue comes on right after Big Al. Really? Yeah. All right. Reference furnished upon request. That's that's always an interesting tell, by the way, when they actually don't even put down like a fake reference. Uh, they, uh, give me a minute to call my friends, <laughs> to give them a new identity. Yeah, I was just going to say, your name is Steve. Your name is Steve. Uh, you were my APD uh, when I worked in Reno. You found me to be uh, uh, reliable, uh, cutting edge, and uh, with my own uh, very distinct brand of comedy. Oh, the phone's ringing boogers. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Does it sound like he's saying the phone is raining boogers? Because every time I play this, that's what I hear. Time now for first caller baller for your chance to win state fair tickets. Seven six six KSFM. Here's another. Here's another hip hop Toberfest artist. Leo, only from Sacramento's number one station for hip hop and R&B. KSFM 102.5. By the way, just for the remainder of today's program, all the telephone communications on this program will be done with our big caller ballers. All uh, all telephoners to the Rick Emerson show will be big caller ballers one day only. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Here's Tim Riley. Leona Hemsley's dog will continue to live an opulent life and will be buried alongside her in a mausoleum. But two of Hemsley's grandchildren got nothing in her will. Uh, Hemsley left her beloved white Maltese named Treble a $12 million trust fund that, according to her will, just made public. She also left millions to her brother Alvin, 
who uh, is uh, named to care for trouble in her absence, as well as two of the four grandchildren of her late son, Jay Panzier, as long as they visit their father's gravesite once every calendar year. Otherwise, she wrote, neither will get a penny of the $5 million she left for each of them. By the way, apparently, Scotty says people are actually already calling and trying to get on the air as Big Caller Baller, and he is... Uh... He's denying them the opportunity. Well, they uh, should they demand to bring uh, Booger and uh, what's his name back to our uh, kids. We should start a campaign, yeah, a national campaign. Scotty, when, this one guy wanted to be a big color baller. Scotty said no, and so the guy just started screaming and calling him an MFer and then just slammed the phone down. Scotty, it's what you get for crushing the dreams of the audience. Uh, let's do this one call, then we got a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hi, this is Tamira, and I heard that you said you can't win anything from the claw machine at Safeway? Yeah, well, it's, let me just say that based on the anecdotal evidence and my own personal experience watching uh-huh. people, I don't think I've ever seen anybody win at the sugar okay, toy, well, toy machine. Okay, well, today is your lucky day because I definitely won something a few days ago, and it actually took a bunch of tries. My little brother put in, like, $5, and I was like, what were you thinking? But we went through the whole thing, and about the 12th try, <laughs> we got a cat. A cat? A live one? Um, no, it wasn't a live one. It was a stuffed one. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was pretty exciting, though, and I thought you should know. The toy machine is the new the new river for unwanted cats. Um, all right, so how many, now how many, uh, what does it cost to play that one time? Uh, I think it's 50 cents. 50 cents, all right, okay. And so this is your, this is your younger brother who did this? Uh, well, we were working together as a team. Working together. One of you would do left, the other would do right. How does it, you, now, because it's just, it's just like a joystick and then a button, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So how is it that you would work together as a team? Okay. Well, he would put in the money and move around, and I'd tell him where to go and when to drop it. Excellent. All right. And so uh, mm-hmm. and so, it only took you 12 tries? Only. Just only. Yeah. Now, does he, is it, now, who gets to keep the cat? <laughs> well, I think we have sort of a... A like a, system. Yeah, it's sort of a sort of a split custody kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, Excellent. All right. Is this the first time you've played the uh, the claw toy machine at the Safeway? Uh, at Safeway, yeah. But right, I have you ever pl- now if you know that if you go to the same Safeway that I am, there's that one. Now, have you ever played the one that is sort of to the left that actually is not stocked with okay. a stuffed animal? That one, that one is the, ridiculous. Yes. That, I just I gave up on that one a long time. The ago. other one has like jewelry inside of it. You know, like yeah. if you're for, for your more upscale uh, claw game player. Like that would ever happen. Did you? you? Get any oh, okay, so not that you don't want to play it. It's just that you've decided it's beyond your abilities. It really is. It's beyond yeah, your class. And my, abilities, one. and my abilities extend pretty far. So. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. You you call us anytime. All right. Thank All right, you. Thank you. There you go. Who says this show doesn't interact with the young people, Sarah? All right. We're going to take a God damn. It's like 1240. We should have asked if she could find U.S. Americans on the map. <laughs> That's our second young, young girl in two days. I know. All right. Well, what are you going to do? All right. It's 503-733-2970. Back after this, more of more of Tim Riley. We uh, return around the corner. I'm sorry. Just getting all of these baller emails. Baller. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. She got run over by a day. Emerson Radio Program. I gotta post this picture of uh, Buttman and Goober, whatever it is, Buttman and Booger. This is an unfortunate picture. I 
And the best part is that they're right underneath a sign that says American Radio, just indicating that they are the worldwide emissaries of this uh, broadcast. They need media. to be wrapping themselves in a flag. <laughs> Tim, Tim just came over and looked at my computer screen where I had a picture of Buttman and Booger and... Tim's soul assessment, it was all, it was boiled into three words. He said, that's too bad. I mean, the whole thing is, and then really, just the icing on the cake here at the bottom is where it says, we are, in all caps, we are very comfortable working with major corporate advertisers and celebrities. Imagine having to introduce these guys to somebody you're trying to sign for an annual. You know what I mean? We'd is like you to meet the new butt- morning team, uh, a booger in the butt plug. I can't. <laughs> That's Larry Craig's morning show. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) American people already know that Bill Clinton is a bad boy, a naughty boy. I'm going to speak out for the citizens of my state who, in the majority, think that Bill Clinton is probably even a nasty. Really? Did he actually say that? I doubt it. Hmm? All right. And I should have told my family and my friends about it. I wasn't eager to share this failure, but I should have anyway, because I am not gay. Fantastic. That's that's really wonderful. All right. Um, let's see. What am I? Uh, what am I doing here? All right. Your chance to win state fair tickets. Oh, the phone's ringing, buggers. Time right. now. Uh, I bet hi. they're not now. You're on the you're on the Rick Emerson you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. Hey, I saw that Discovery show about those uh, futuristic weapons, non-lethal. Uh huh. And that, uh, that ray gun uses microwaves. And they were talking about how it took them quite a few trial and errors to get the right frequency so they didn't boil the sides of people. Uh, oh, who were they experimenting uh, on? Who were they? Who, how were they testing it? Volunteers from the Army. Volunteers. Would you like to volunteer for a thing that will boil your insides and turn your uh, turn your intestines into, into mush? Well, sure, why not? Yeah, and then that uh, that uh, that foam gun is a two-part spray foam. Like it's the same kind of crap you buy that in the can at Home Depot. Now, is it? But it, but I think it it's uh, it's almost like not caulking. But what is that stuff that you sort of spray around the bottom of pipes, and it comes out as a foam, and then it hardens? You yeah, know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a spray foam. Yeah, it's it's two it's two chemical components. When they come together and hit, it's, it's, it's pretty great. I saw them use it on this whole gr- group of protests. I don't know if they were if they were the volunteers or they were real protesters, but they sprayed this crowd with it, man, and it was like they just turned into a statuary immediately. It was deeply satisfying to watch. Yeah, and the, the one the one problem with that is if you spray too much on their face, they can't okay. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Hey, have a good one. All right, there you go. I love the idea of somebody volunteering to test weapons that are going to be non-lethal someday, but not quite yet. Uh, hi. Is it almost 1 o'clock? It is. I I just don't understand. I mean, where has the time gone? Oh, the phone's ringing, buggers. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I had a question about uh, just finished uh, Youth and Revolt last night. Excellent. Uh, did you enjoy it, sir? I'll thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm glad you did. Uh, question is, uh, is it worth picking up Revolting Youth, or should I just let no, it No, no. Avoid, avoid the inferior sequels. The the sequels to Youth and Revolt, sad to say, uh, are terrible. They're they're all bad. Okay. And I would, I wish I could say differently. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you uh, that the sequels to Youth and Revolt were not were not bad, uh, but but they are. So um, that guy, I mean, C. D. Payne, who is a very gifted author, as you can tell, but reading Youth and Revolt, he tried to branch out and did some other novels. He did one called Civic Beauties, 
which is sort of an interesting concept because it's a musical novel where about every chapter and a half the characters burst into song. And it be, it's an interesting idea. It becomes a little tedious to read. He also did a book called Frisco Pigeon Mambo, uh, which I believe is told from the point of view of some of some pigeons. Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, even as I say it out loud, it sounds retarded. Um, all interesting ideas, not very good. He obviously figured out at some point that Nick Twist was where his bread was buttered. And he's written, I think, three different sequels to Youth and Revolt. I read the first one, and it was just really bad. Um, had its moments, but not not good enough to read again, uh, and certainly not good enough to sully the image of Youth and Revolt by reading any of the other works. So stick with Youth and Revolt, reread it every couple years. It holds up, but avoid the sequels. Yeah, no, I'm a big rereader, so I, I'll definitely work that into the rotation. And I actually, uh, I'm kind of between books right now, and I didn't know what to read next, and I lent out my reading copy of Youth and Revolt to Court from uh, KUFO. So I actually am, uh, I'm actually just, I, I have another copy of Youth and Revolt, the Revolt that's the original Bay Area pressing that I'm actually reading right now. So I myself am actually rereading Youth and Revolt as we speak. Yeah, and then I'll re- on uh, Larry Craig, and I lived in Idaho yeah. for five years. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's there's no way a Democrat's ever going to win in that state. They're just going to find nuttier, crazier Republicans. No, and this and, and the idea that in these uh, speeches he's giving that he's like, well, I haven't decided whether I'm going to try to be reelected in uh, in Idaho or not. Like he's weighing it as though there's some conceivable possibility that it might happen. But they're, they're going to have uh, a, a more difficult time finding a, a Republican in that state who's a heterosexual. <laughs> yes. No, they're just going to go up into northern Idaho and find a guy who's got a lot of white sheets in his closet. Yeah, seriously, they'll go track. Down Bo Greitz. All right, thank you. All right, bye. Bye now. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, this is the uh, second anniversary of uh, Katrina hitting New Orleans. George Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> the, the end. Remember, can ye West? Yes. There he is again. Can't. Can ye? No, there's, there's there was a pun there, but I'm going to pass it. About Kanye West, who did a uh, he had a great little cameo on Entourage uh, on Sunday. I heard his new single last night. Um, it, I will say this about the that new Kanye West song. At least it doesn't sound like everything else he's ever done. He has. I think he realized that he could only stir that same drink for so long. So that new single of his, it, it is kind of a departure uh, from that that thing. He because that the first two Kanye West albums were just either they were one of two things, either old pop samples or sped up. Uh, soul and R&B samples, which is kind of the same way that he did production for other artists. And I think he realized he had to kind of change things up a little bit. So it's him and Daft Punk uh, doing something or other. Um, so anyway, so it, it was moderately interesting, much more so than his other stuff. Here's Tim Riley. News updated to the moment. The man was suspected and later cleared of the 1996 Summer Olympic bombing in Atlanta has died. You remember Richard Jewell? He told Larry King about the first time he found out he was a suspect. I mean, I just assumed that's what it was. And when I walked out the door, uh, that's when you see that clip with me wearing the glasses. Uh, the guy asked me if I did it, and I kind of laugh at him and say, no, no, I didn't do this. It was strange how they apologized. They call one of my attorneys up, meet us at a little coffee shop on a, on a Saturday morning, you know, on the corner of a, a downtown street in Atlanta, and, and literally walks up, hands him the envelope, says, here's this, and then that's it. He kind of looked like John Goodman with a mustache. That's all I remember about Richard Jewell. I'm surprised somebody didn't give him a job at the airport. Those guys all look like him. <laughs> it's true. He um, he also, here's the other thing, Richard Jewell also kind of looked like maybe a younger sort of Deliverance-era Ned Beatty. Um, but I just remember, like, it, and you can sort of see that happening sometimes. Sometimes the cases of this are so egregious and obvious that you can spot it while it's taking place. We were just like, I don't know, probably five or six hours into the Richard Jewell news cycle, and this guy I worked with at the time, this guy named Martin, he just got Said, well, his life is over. I mean, it was, it was, I don't even, 
I mean, I sort of made a joke earlier about him never getting another job, but I mean, did, what did he do after that? Because that was what, 12 years ago? 11 years ago? I think he worked in the police force in some small town. Did he really? Yeah. Well, good for him. I mean, I, I say, now that he's dead at 44, of entirely natural causes. What a natural? What does natural causes mean? Does it that mean just, anything, really? I mean, is that like Carter a, just fills in the blank? Is is natural causes the irreconcilable difference of the? Uh, it's like well, he, he's, not, he's not big enough to look into his background. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Rick, I've read that those claw prize machines that you see in stores are programmed much like slot machines, where they're programmed to only let a person win a certain amount of times. Now, see, I heard that too. There was, a, I saw a little bit of a. Uh, there's some British. TV shows, like a British Mythbusters, and they did this whole thing about how to win at a claw machine. Uh, and they said that, now this might be a Britain-only thing, but they said that in Britain, those claw toy machines are programmed to only pay off every blank tries, just like a slot machine. Um, he said, and, and, and by the way, that's only if you're doing it correctly. I mean, if you suck at it, you're still not going to win anything. He says, uh, add to that, you have to actually do it correctly when the machine decides to let you win. The odds are not in your favor. And then he says, by the way, the claw machine at the, wait for it, Tigered Winco is filled with plush likenesses of world leaders. There's a Dick Cheney and a Tony Blair. Who would possibly want these things? I don't know the answer to that. I, um, well, that seems like it would almost be, that seems like it would almost be illegal, though. If the, if the claw machines are only programmed to let you win, in other words, if... You are uh, just some guy, and you're standing in front of one of those toy claw machines. And if skill alone is not enough to let you win, in other words, no matter how well you navigate the... I can't believe I'm spending so much time talking about this. But no matter how well you navigate the claw, if it's only programmed to let you win a certain amount of times, you know, or every so every so many plays, it seems like that then makes it a gambling device. And it seems like it would be illegal at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you sounded like? You just right now, you sounded like every disinterested bartender or barbershop guy. She said that, yeah, well, that's something, isn't it? <laughs> just, just grunting to let me know that you're still alive, but not actually interested in or engaged with the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the next time the next time I say something, there's gonna be the same long pause and Tim's just gonna go, Well, what can you do? That'll be that'll be it. All right. Uh John McCain has uh just called for Congressman Craig to resign. Not that that's gonna do any good. Yep. <laughs> uh hi. Uh you're on the Rick Emerson show about youth and revolt. Hello. Hey Rick, you have the book club music for me? Uh, okay, wait, hold on. Uh, Rick Emerson's book club. I, I wasn't, I didn't, pre the, the booger and Budman uh, sort of lowered the bar here. I didn't know we were going to be talking, but all right. Yes, you can both. a little highbrow, absolutely. Yes. Well, I got home last night in the uh, early a.m., and in my mailbox was a gently used copy of Youth and Revolt in trade paperback form. And I'll tell you what, I uh, just devoured the first 50 pages before I realized it was 5 a.m. in the morning. I better get some sleep. So Fantastic. So, That's actually so far, so good. same thing that happened to me when I first read it uh, years ago. Is I, uh, I looked up every night after night until I finished. I looked up, and it would, you know, it would be 2, 3 in the morning, and my then-girlfriend would come out and chastise me for laughing so loudly that I was actually keeping her awake. So glad you're enjoying it, sir. And I, I did have another book recommendation. There's a movie coming out called The Golden Compass. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I went ahead and I'd like to read books if they're going to be made into movies. I'd like to read them before I see the movie, and then I can uh, do you know a good comparison of yes. it. And um, it's based on a uh, series of books called His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman. And uh, the Golden Compass was pretty good, so I recommend reading that, too. Golden Compass. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, there you go. All right, it's 503. Mm, I found a couple of uh, Booger and Budman videos. Really? On the YouTube? Yeah. You now, what are, these, what, well, what are these videos of? Behind the scenes of Booger and Budman. That almost... It's called a banana movie. What could there possibly be to fear? It's behind the scenes at a radio station with a guy named Booger. How could it possibly be indecent? It has 249 anyway? views and no comments. <laughs> <laughs> I think that itself is a sort of backhanded comment, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Oh God. Um, let's. Well, let me just uh, let me just see here. Uh, let's see, Rick. Oh, this guy says. Um, I was in Sacramento all last week and missed the show. It was 105 degrees down there. Um, let's see. The one thing I did get to see, listen to this. The one thing I did get to see as I drove around was the intercom building that housed the DJs who killed that lady in that retarded contest. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Maybe if you took a picture there. Uh, I said, I don't know if the Sacramento area has any other landmarks, but that one made me laugh as I drove through the sun-blighted landscape of Central California. The intercom building here doesn't have enough people in it to kill anybody. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't know that I was in the same town as Budman and Booger. By the way, I checked out their website. Half the stuff doesn't work, and their forum has exactly 49 people who've posted once. I can't any. Uh, we went to their website during the break, and the photo of them actually doesn't ever come up. It's like a broken image. It's just a bunch of photos of music that they might have one time it played when they had a radio show. Oh, that, that's as bad as the uh, former DJ in California I know who only has one friend on his MySpace. <laughs> and he's, he started the MySpace after he was fired. <laughs> oh, oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. That's like when Patrice Pike uh, got kicked off of uh, Rockstar. Mm-hmm. And he was, do you have any parting words? She's like, well, MySpace.com. Patrice, oh, I'm so sad. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Hi. This is Judy. I wanted to thank Sarah. I know I didn't want it to turn into a book club opening, but um, I just finished The Handmaid's Tale. Really? Oh, Rick was actually the one that recommended that to me, and that, oh, that became one of my favorite books. I just heard it from, from you, but I just like I said, I didn't want it to turn it into a, a great episode, but perhaps we can increase Scotty uh, his reading abilities we if should, we have him do a book club. We should make Scotty read something. I think you should make him hurts. read something, and we can all share with Scotty for a few minutes. Scotty J's book club. There you go. But thank you for the Handmaid's Tale, and I'm just now putting down the, the youth revolt. So um, thanks a lot, guys. Ooh, you should go check out Douglas Copeland's Girlfriend in a Coma if you liked uh, the Handmaid's Tale. Big time. A Girlfriend in a Coma? Yeah, yeah Girlfriend, Girlfriend in a Coma by Douglas Copeland. That's my hands down my favorite book of all time. And thanks, guys. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Bye. All right. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Girlfriend in a Coma, but it is still a good book. It's, it's still great. I've read that book more than ten times. Like, I actually really? have craved It sounds ridiculous, but, I mean, sometimes I'm, like, I'm at a point in my life where I'll, I've read it, like, a month before, and I want to read it again. No, so that's, that's pretty... per, there's nothing crazy about that. I, you know, I'm more of a microsurfs guy. Uh, but any, I will say this, even, even, even the worst Copeland book, and that's not, like, a bad book even the worst any copeland book is better than you know most other books the guy's just he's such an amazing writer well that's so that's cool that you recommended the handmaid's tale to her the handmaid's tale is great and i in turn have to thank my wife because my wife was the one who when we first because i had my wife read uh micro and she was like hey have you ever read the handmaid's tale and i'm like no it's that and she said she said she said don't she said, I'm not going to tell anything about it. Just read it. And she, uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which is by Margaret Atwood. Uh, that is, which is so it's a, good. It's a great book. 
I read, I've only read one other book by Margaret Atwood. It was called uh, The Robber Bride, which was actually really good. Very different from The Handmaid's Tale, but, uh, but very good its own its own self. So, uh, yeah, uh, Margaret Atwood, the, the Handmaid's Tale. That really is, I we probably should resist the urge to, to form some sort of a Rick Emerson uh, show book club, but but really, there you know. You can that, follow in Oprah's footsteps. I'm just saying, those are a couple of books you can't go wrong with. So Girlfriend in a Coma is great. Uh, I won't give any description. I won't say what it's like. Uh, but it is it, it is quite if you've read anything by Douglas Copeland, I would say this. My thoughts on Girlfriend in a Coma, which is a few years old. Um, Girlfriend in a Coma is at once the definitive Copeland book and yet not like any book he has ever written. Mm-hmm. And when you read it, you will understand exactly what I mean. Um, also, my my the last thing I'm going to say about Girlfriend in a Coma because I because it's it's this is even worse than going on about a movie no one has has seen talking about a book no one has read. Um, if you have not read Girlfriend in a Coma, this will mean nothing to you. But the great thing about that book is is that Copeland got tagged so heavily with being the voice of Generation X. Even though he didn't coin the phrase, he did write a novel called Generation X, and then he followed it up with Shampoo Planet and Microsurfs, both of which really examined Generation X culture probably better than any writer I've ever seen. And so he got... You know, any writer I've read, and so he he got hit so heavily with being the spokesperson of his generation. And the great thing about Girlfriend in a Coma is a that it's based on the Smith song of the same name, and b that I think that book was his attempt to sort of take off that that jacket. I think Girlfriend in a Coma was a, Douglas Copeland's very real attempt to dismantle the the sort of. Um, the type of world that he was accused of always writing about. So, anyway, it's a great book. You really ought to read it. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, hello again. Hi. Well, let's talk about this other uh, Mrs. America pageant contestant. Oh, is this is this like Miss America with stretch marks? Uh, apparently so. Yeah. Uh, this pageant is held in... It does... Tucson. <laughs> this, this pageant is held in in Tucson, Arizona. Time now. Apparently, a Mrs. Tennessee was uh, Mrs. Tennessee by a rattlesnake as she walked over to the uh, the pageant ground. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. On my way to rehearsal, it was nine o'clock in the morning, and just having a good time, trying to shake a spider off, and the spider and the snake were in cahoots, and the snake got the better part of me. The cat's in the cradle with a silver spoon. The spider and the snake are in cahoots. The fat man walks at midnight. Really, honestly, she was attacked by a snake? Yeah. And if Mrs. America is stricken by a serpent, you, the runner-up, will fulfill her duties. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, former astronaut Lisa Nowak will play the temporary insanity car when she goes on trial for allegedly attacking a romantic rival in a Nowak job. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, a Nowak's attorney says she's suffering from depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and insomnia. Dr. Daniel Amen Claims Nowak's brain chemistry is likely off the mark. Think about the last time you fell in love. You couldn't stop thinking about the person. Your heart went fast. When you fall out of love, the chemistry in your brain changes. Those attachment chemicals go haywire in the brain, and they truly can make people crazy. Hey, she's making that up. And I should have told my family (laughs) and my friends about it. I wasn't eager to share this failure, but I should have anyway. Because I am not gay. All the phones ringing, buggers. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi, Sarah, Sarah just ruse the day that I ever found that web page. I know. It's genius. Hi, how can I help you, sir? Uh, I wanted to ask Sarah. Sir, you're a big Chuck Palahniuk fan, right? Yes, Wait, I hold, am. hold on a second. Hold your thoughts, sir. Hold on. Just let me just. Uh... All right, go ahead. Uh, have you read Survivor yet? The Survivor's my all-time favorite Chuck Palahniuk book ever. 
and I just started it. Uh, I just finished Youth and Revolt, and I was like, well, I can only read what the Rick Emerson Show recommends. And, uh, Attention advertisers. You too can uh, reach this easily brainwashed demographic. A Survivor's an amazing book, and actually the, one of the coolest things about it is that he wrote it here in Portland at a mausoleum. Um, that was inspiration for actually one of the um, the character. One of the characters in the book actually works at a mausoleum, and it's based on the one that he actually wrote the book in here in right. Portland. It's Hold very on, let cool. Me, let me take a sip of my Viso real quick before I continue. Yeah, God bless you, sir. <laughs> couple couple questions. A, did you like Youth and Revolt? I did. There was a couple parts that kind of threw me for a loop, like when him and his buddy are like, hey, I want to know what this feels like. Yes, they. Uh, when he and his pal Lefty decide to get down with the... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, also, I wanted to ask you, Rick. Yes. In my mind, I heard, well, I remember you guys saying that they're going to make the movie. Do you see Dauber from Coach playing that second boyfriend to uh, Nick's mom, Wally? or? Oh, Wally Lumpkin? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I could also see like a John, well, to go back again to John Goodman, I could see John Goodman maybe doing that. Good point. And Something then like maybe for uh, Sheeny, I don't know why, but do you remember Saving Silverman? I do. The second gal, uh, I think her name's Amanda Detmer, the curly-haired blonde gal that's the nun. I don't know. See, I've only seen that movie once, and it was late at night on HBO because Kyle the intern used to rave about it, so I don't really remember a whole lot about that. I think I think Sarah was, who was it you were saying? I like that, that movie. <laughs> you were just insisting there was somebody they couldn't cast. Who was it you were saying that there was? You were you named someone. Oh, if some they woman. cast uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Like, I will never see it. I will never see it. I will it. burn down the studio. Um, just final final uh, thoughts here, sir, before you go. Okay. Sur- Survivor is a book that I've been trying to read, but everybody I know who has a copy of Survivor has recently just lent it to someone else. So that is on my list of things to read. Well, when I wrap it up, I'll gladly send you mine in exchange for Girlfriend in a Coma. Excellent. There you go. We really have started something here, haven't we? All right, thank you, sir. I like the book club music. All right, there you go. Well, it's very thank you, my friend. There you go. Um, by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Hi, Tim. How are you? <laughs> you actually turned off. off your microphone to say it. <laughs> it's the day before vacation. I think I already left. <laughs> Tim's checked out. Tim will be gone uh, tomorrow and Friday and Monday. You've got short-timer syndrome. Um, that's well, okay. It's not like the rest of us hands of Scotty, who's going to offer his own brand of news and commentary. Well, it's not like the rest of us are really doing so hot today. I can barely operate the phone, and I keep uh, slurring my words. Hello, sir. Or madam. Is hey, maybe. Rick. Hi. I don't want to sound like a total tool, but Richard Jewell was a, a hero, I think, wasn't he? He sort of he sort of ran in there and uh, uh, was right there at the moment the I mean, I don't know. I'll just be honest. I don't really know because I kind of only know what everybody knows, which is that he happened to be there. They came. They announced. They did everything but brand him a suspect for like six weeks or whatever. Uh, Didn't he? Didn't he make a lot of money because because uh, he uh, he sued NBC? I think because they misrepresented it and they made him look guilty when he wasn't. Tom Brokaw actually said like he was the guy that did it. Tom Broca. Tom Broca was probably like three quarters into a bottle of Boone's Farm at that point. Um, <laughs> Thunderbird, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't really know if he was a hero or not. I know he certainly uh, wasn't. He certainly wasn't deserving of the way that he got smeared by the media. That's for certain. That's for sh- certain. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> say, well, I'm channeling Tom Broca now. That's for certain. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's a guy who really got to. He got hit with the. He got hit with the taint brush pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. Well, no. That show ever, man. Be, no, like, tarred and feathered. Thank you. The taint brush. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll we'll just roll through this here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hi, Rick. Um, I was just wondering if you had mentioned the really disturbing book that you had read. Oh, wait, hold back. on. Hold on. Let me just do uh, Oh, no. Uh, 
We uh, no, we never did get around to that, so I might as well do it now. Um, I had mentioned I talked about Youth and Revolt, and then the following week I was going to mention sort of the the opposite, sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. This really disturbing book that I had read, uh, it, which it was actually it's a great book, uh, but it was actually so. And I now I someone had lent it to me, and I actually went out and bought my own copy. Um, I don't know that I'll be reading it again anytime soon because it was so harrowing. It was actually so harrowing that there were nights that I would, because my wife and I would go to bed and we'll, you know, we'll kind of, you know, she has whatever she's reading and I have whatever I'm reading right. and whatever. And there were nights that I would actually pick it up and I would sort of open to whatever page I was on and I would kind of sigh and sort of slump and just close it and put it back down on the, on the nightstand because I just couldn't bear to read it. I will read, um, I won't, I won't read like an excerpt. I will actually read about three sentences from the prologue later on, maybe after the break, I'll read a three-sentence passage from the prologue, which will tell you whether or not you want to read it. The book is called In the Heart of the Sea. It is called In the Heart of the Sea, and it is the it is a true story. It is uh, very much in the in the um, in the same vein as a book like Into Thin Air. Okay. Um, you know, where it's sort of a man against nature book, uh -huh. and it is the true story. Of the of a whale ship called the Essex, which uh, sank off the coast of Nantucket, it is the true story of a sinking, which was in turn the inspiration for Moby Dick. Um, it was, and just I'm not giving anything away here. This is again all in the prologue. Okay. It was a whale ship that was out in the ocean. They were, um, you know, whaling, killing, and boiling sperm whales. That was how they made their living. And at one point, there was a sperm whale that just kind of said, "Well, I've I've had enough," and just uh, rammed the boat a couple times. And then within ten minutes, the boat had sunk. And there were 20 guys in three leaky uh, lifeboats with very little food and very little water. And then that's, that happens in the first, you know, like two chapters. Okay, and who's the author? Uh, I think his name is Nathaniel Philbrick, I think, but I'll have to look it up. I'll have to, I've got actually the book in my office. Yes, okay. that is his name. Nathaniel Philbrick. Um, but, yeah, so in the first couple chapters, and again, I'm not giving anything away, their boat is rammed by a whale, and all of these guys have to pile into three leaky lifeboats, and they have very little food, very little water, and they're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And then the rest of the book is just uh, what happens when you're 20 guys uh, with nothing to eat or drink in the ocean. Okay, great. I can't so, wait. It's, it's an amazing book. It is one of the most compelling, harrowing books I have ever read. But I have to tell you, it it uh, it, it really just stayed with me. I and mean, when, it, does it, when does it take place? Uh, it takes place, I believe it was uh, right at the turn of the century. It okay. was, uh, I believe, around 1900, 1880, something like that. Uh, the guy, there are actually several diaries they have found from people who were on the boats. There were a lot of newspaper accounts at the time, and the guy has sort of merged them all into to one very gripping, very compelling account. I cannot speak highly enough of it, but I will say this. It is dark. It is unbelievably dark, uh, depressing, haunting. Uh, you know, it, it, it is just... It's, and I came off of reading Into Thin Air and Into the Wild, which are two very, very dark Man Against Nature books. But this Into one, the Wild is great. Into the Wild is great. They're making that into a movie right now, actually. Um, but this is... I won't say it's better as such, but it is so much more harrowing than even the darkest parts of Into the Wild or Into Thin Air. Okay, is, well, uh, thank you so much. And I've, um, yeah. I've ordered Youth and Refold, and so I'm just waiting for that. So. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. There you go. You can fill in for Terry Gross. Coming up next hour, we'll be talking to Michael Stipe from R.E.M., who will talk about rock lyrics as poetry. Also, we'll talk to a jazz musician you've never heard of. We'll spend a lot of time referencing things in other cultures and taking long pauses between our sentences. And then we'll talk about our weekend bake sale that we have. <laughs> then we'll beg you to send us money.
we couldn't possibly survive if this was a commercial format. So we have to browbeat our listeners into submissions, sending us large amounts of cash so that we can stay on the air. Then five hours of whale song from midnight to 5 a.m., followed by the hum of a radiator. All right, let's, uh, I, I don't even know what's happening in today's show. Well, we're into the you're, second hour. And you're 1:15. crazy. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. It's 1.13. Institutionalized. Here's Tim Riley. Well, uh, Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney is calling Idaho Senator Larry uh, Craig's newest arrest, uh, well, his only arrest that we know of, uh, very, very disappointing. And it just disappeared off my screen. Uh, very, very... All right, what are you doing there? It seems that everything is disappearing off my screen simultaneously. Okay. And I have to reload the cardomatic. Would you like me? To, would you like me to film something here? Uh, sure. Oh, here we go. First color baller. Here is uh, Mitt Romney. Once again, we found people in Washington have not lived up to the the level of uh, of respect and and dignity that we would expect for somebody that gets elected to a position of high influence. In Idaho, it's 1.4 million people. The GOP is already in in power in the state house and in Congress. More than 166,000 Idaho residents are Roman Catholic. More than 385,000 are Mormon. You know, here's the thing about um, Mitt Romney, though. I mean, he is sort of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, because if he... Yeah, because he's from Massachusetts, and he wants people to forget that. Well, that's the thing. is that, So he's got that mixture of the Catholic base and the Mormon base, and if he had stuck by the guy, if he had stuck by Larry King, it would have been... It. He's Larry Catholic. King. Larry King. Larry King. Imagine <laughs> busting the men's room. <laughs> would you like to, uh... Would you like to touch my genitals? Um, coming up tomorrow. What, what is your question? <laughs> no, you know, I'm just picturing Larry King next to you in a bathroom stall now. Seriously. Maybe Jim Roop has encountered that. Um, hello. I don't have a bathroom sound effect. Hi, hello. Um, you've got, you've got very nice ankles. What's your question? No, I, I, I need some stool softener. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, if you're if you're Mitt Romney, if he had stuck by Larry Craig, mm. he would have been equally damned though, because all of the conservatives would have, you've cast your lot with the sodomites, you know. So I mean, he had no choice but to cut the guy loose. But but now he just looks like it. He just looks like a brass knuckled ass. So um, you know, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What can you do? Well, with one survey showing Washington State is the 31st fattest state of the nation, a celebrity chef is distributing creative ideas for healthy eating in the state of Washington. For example, she makes French fries at home by baking and not frying the potatoes she's using. Instead, I douse it with some good quality vegetable oil, a little salt, pop it in the oven, bake it, and when those fries come out of the oven, my family is absolutely satisfied. Okay. Uh, this cook says, also make a vegetarian lasagna and fool the kids. Carrots, onions, mushrooms, the summer squashes. In the winter, I'll use butternut squash, spinach, greens to get a little green in there. They don't even know that that's in there, and they love this lasagna. Why not bring all the kids into the kitchen at once? I think that's a great way to educate our children about what it takes to cook, to put a meal together, and while you're doing that, you can begin to educate them about different fruits and vegetables and food. What is her name? Lisa Nowak. Oh, no. That's <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And Gentry. Uh, 
Uh, let's do one more here, and then we'll uh, speak to Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Well, what you do about those baggy britches? Dozens of people packed in Atlanta City Council Committee last night to talk about that. Banning baggy pants and visible thong underwear and bra straps. This proposed law, sponsored by a city councilman, C.T. Martin, drew critics and supporters who packed a small meeting room. One critic of the proposal says it unfairly targets certain people. I'm here because I think Councilmember Martin's proposal to talk about how young black men wear their clothes is totally out of order. Meanwhile, a Florida sheriff is under fire for blaming gangster rap for some of the community's violent crimes. Doesn't say what city in Florida this is, but one of them. Uh, Sheriff Mike Scott has responded to two armed robberies in recent days, and in both cases the clerks were shot, even though they were cooperative. He said gangster rap glorifies violence similar to these robberies. Lyrics are running from the police, shooting cops, unacceptable and yet, yet very prevalent in today's society. In fact, fashionable in many circles. It's a badge of honor to have been shot, and it's ridiculous. Okay, it's hogwash. By the way, before we talk to Jim Roop here, here's a guy you could be glad you're not. Dateline Berlin. A German court has awarded 3,000 euros, which is about how many dollars, Tim? Let's see. Uh, probably like, uh, well, the euro's worth a dollar thirty right now. So it's $4,100. Very right. well done. Right. Has awarded 3,000 euros in damages to a man who had to have the top of his skull replaced with plastic because of a faulty hospital refrigerator. Oh. Doctors removed the top of the man's head and put it in a cold storage while they operated in, on his brain, the court in the western city of Koblenz said. The refrigerator was inadvertently unplugged, however. <laughs> this is just like the Visa refrigerator. <laughs> And Spadowski, the janitor, came by and kicked out the cord. The section of skull was not kept cool enough and could not be reattached. The man sought compensation on the grounds that the prosthesis, so he basically just has a big, like, the Tupperware lid on his head, caused him headaches and made him unduly sensitive to the weather. Um, anyway, so uh, there you go. The experts consulted by the court concluded that the new plastic skull was better than the original. That seems unlikely. Let's welcome now to the... Uh... From Los Angeles. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Groovy. Happening. Hip. Hey, we're going to... Uh, we'll keep this probably brief today because Sarah just mouthed the words, I have to use the bathroom. <laughs> Ooh, I just, I oh, we... man. Uh, well, yes. Let's get breaks for like an hour and a half, and I'm sitting here drinking like about seven cups of coffee. I just talked to a guy who promotes uh, bathrooms in other public places. You can engage in encounters such as... Uh, he promotes break. them? Yeah, he's got a website. He promotes them um, because there's this whole subculture. Man, I had no idea if I'm sitting in a can, tapping my foot to my iPod, I'm sending a signal to somebody. <laughs> Seriously. You well, know? it wasn't. Here's the great thing: is it wasn't just a tapping of the foot. It was then that he rubbed his foot against somebody else. Right. And yeah. then, like, reached his hand underneath the stall and gave it like a waggle. You know what I mean? And then he tried to say, "Well, it's because I have a wide stance when I uh, when, when I toilet." <laughs> All right. Hey, just as a side note. I straddle. Did you see this? Let's not say straddle. Did All you right, see right. this thing about bats flying into Orange County homes? Uh, no, but uh, that's been happening a lot lately here in, 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 uh, in uh, uh, L.A. County. The Orange County Health Care Agency has issued a notice urging residents to, quote, bat-proof their homes yeah. after reports of bats being found in area houses. Bats are cool. I think they get a... I was going to say a bat. They get a bat rap. <laughs> they were found in a, in a whole school. I mean, the janitor was coming in, and for weeks he couldn't figure out where the smell was coming from. He had the, the carpets uh, cleaned and the walls uh, painted, and he just couldn't figure it out. Then one day he went up into the into the, that drop ceiling they have, right. you know, these classrooms, and 
It's, it's just thousands. He says, there's thousands of bats up there. No, they, 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 it's, bats really are are great. They are kind of, they're one of nature's greatest uh, creatures. They're, they're, yeah, man. You know, they're like ants to me. You know, people get kind of freaked out by them, but, you know, when you sort of think about it and examine the way they work, it's an amazingly well-structured uh, society that they have created for themselves. I mean, every... I wish my kids acted like that. <laughs> I wish your kids could be more like bats. That's right. Um, well, They smell the same. Just real, real quickly, and I don't want to dwell on this, but is there anything new to report in the Owen Wilson story? No, except... Uh, it looks like uh, this isn't going to affect his career at all. Hollywood's, uh, you know, being very sympathetic and empathetic, and they're going to to wait the projects that are in the works now. Uh, I guess it helps that your best buddy is uh, is the one running most of this stuff. He and Ben Stiller are very close, and they're working on a movie together now. He's already done the press commitments for the movie that's coming out. So uh, Hollywood's being very kind and very sympathetic to him. And then uh, the other thing that's in the news is because this this has been a story that's happened in about four different states over the last couple of weeks. So did they did they have you out interviewing uh, the youth today? Oh, uh, that was yesterday. Yesterday, because the there's about been the a lot of phone ban. We've yeah we've been having a lot of discussion on today's program about uh, who on the show is in touch with the youth culture and who is not. I'm the one who is not. And uh, so we were talking about uh, today's today's kids and what they think about things. And so they had you because because what, what is it? They're going to ban cell phones or something if you're driving if you're a teenager. Well, like anybody under 18, right? Uh, you cannot use any mobile communication device at all if you're behind the wheel. Eh, that makes sense. They should ban that for everybody. Well, except see, for people with an IQ above room temperature. See, I can. The whole thing for me is uh, like I did actually catch myself sending a text message at one point while I was driving. I and did that I, all the time. I man. did. Yeah, I had that moment of realization where I'm like, I am about to become a statistic. I am going to be one of those idiot drivers that I make fun of on on the air. So I no longer do that. Uh, it, I will. I mean, I, I won't lie that I use my cell phone. But really, I, to me, I don't think that it, there's no difference to me between being on a cell phone while you're driving and like talking to some guy in the passenger seat. Right. But the problem is. That you you mentally just make the leap, like you'll talk to somebody on a cell phone, and then you'll get a text, and your brain doesn't draw a distinction. And before you know it, you are sitting there staring at a one inch by two inch screen and not looking at like the Kenworth that you're about to rear end at 50 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah, so. well, you know, it, it, you're right about talking, it, it, whether it's on a phone or somebody sitting next to you. If you have a hands free device, it shouldn't be a problem. But I also understand, and even the kids I talked to yesterday understand that you know they're brand new drivers. They got a lot th- that they're thinking about. Um, and, and for one more thing to distract them, it's a whole other issue. Here in California, uh, for the first year that you have your license, you're not allowed to even carry a passenger. You know, it's, it's just you in that car or a parent, uh, you know, somebody like that. You can't take your, your brother or sister to school even. This, you know? this is another thing that will be righted when you and I are the president and dictator of this country, sir. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, you know, what I, I'll, I'll write policy with you all day long. Excellent. All right, my friend. I think we're going to skedaddle so that uh, there can be bathroom breaks all around here. Okay. All right. I'm going to put a bucket in the studio for Christ's sake. <laughs> all right, my friend. Enjoy your That's day. Wrong. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Jim. There you go, Jim Rope, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Sarah, would you like to break? That's a yes. Fantastic. Of course, it's meatloaf. So I have to stay in here for another minute and a half. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. 503-733-2970. How are you feeling? Better? I was. Now, not so much. Okay. We'll be back after this. Still to come, Mr. Skin, the top five, Tim Riley. And, uh, back after this. Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let's see, what have we got here? 
Rick, I know this is of interest to you. Recently, we were cursed with a gift card to, I won't mention the restaurant. I won't, I won't name the restaurant. There's a chance they may want to advertise someday. Recently, we were cursed with a gift card to blank. My wife was given this gift card at work. We fell for it the other Saturday while returning for a trip from Powell's, so we stopped at the blank restaurant in Vancouver. While there, we witnessed a waitress sneeze lustily and then repeatedly... Sneeze lustily and repeatedly into her hands. And then serve food right away. Her hand actually touching the sandwich that went on my plate. Fantastic. Okay, there you go. Uh, let's see. I have nothing to add to that. Rick, Sarah's right. You should check out Rilo Kylie at Music Fest Northwest next Friday. That's not this Friday, right? That's next Friday. Uh, Jenny Lewis is my kind of girl. She's hot. <laughs> Really? Is that your oh, type Raul, of girl, sir? Raul has a big thing for Jenny Lewis. Really? Uh-huh. It's my kind of girl. The hot kind. Rilo Kylie is a great alt-country sound, and Lewis's brown sugar voice is really the icing on the cake. And then he says, uh, check out this photo of her, and you will understand what I'm talking about. I am now clicking on the, uh, I'm now clicking on the link, sir, so I can see the photograph of, well, hello there. Okay. Well, I'm a fan. I'm totally there. All right, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, totally here is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Senator Larry Craig has agreed to temporarily give up his committee assignment. He has agreed uh, by request that he temporarily vacate his seats on the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee and subcommittees on the interior. And I guess exterior. But he'll get them back. At least that's what he thinks. L.A. County Sheriff's Department made a visit to Andy Dick's house in West Hollywood, this time for throwing beer bottles at his neighbor's yard. He was tossing bottles over a fence. The comedian was warned, and officers left their residence. Then at 12.30 this morning, another call was received. There was more noise at Andy's place. Squad cars responded, and Dick again was issued a warning. The city of West Hollywood now says it'll file a misdemeanor complaint against Dick. If there are any further violations of municipal codes for wild parties and gatherings. Meanwhile, Clackamas County authorities say a van driver was fatally shot by a sheriff's deputy after brandishing a gun at a traffic stop in Damascus. This happened at 8.30 last night. Apparently, while he was asked to uh, show his registration and uh, license, he pulled a gun. So the deputy backed off, told the guy to drop the gun. He wouldn't. He gets shot. He's dead. He deserved it. Uh, White House aide Carl Rove is getting a humorous send-off from his work colleagues. Uh, Rove's Jaguar was covered in saran wrap and bumper stickers with an I Heart Obama on the passenger side windshield. <laughs> it's the handiwork of Rove's work partners who say they'll miss his mischievous humor. His mischievous humor. Uh, Rove is currently traveling with uh, President Bush to New Orleans. Good Morning America showed a video of his car parked on West Executive Avenue next to the White House. The video showed the car's windows plastered with post-it notes that spelled out King Carl. And two stuffed eagles were put on the car's trunk. Rose's official last day at the uh, White House will be on Friday. In the meantime, the uh, the president is in New Orleans to uh, tell them how good things are going there. George Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, boy, this is troubling, to say the least. A modest Pennsylvania man allegedly broke into a funeral parlor. Oh, wait. 
Should this be a corpse watch? I believe it should be, yes. It wasn't labeled as such. I'm so that's my fault. Right. I have failed you, Tim. All right. Here's your, uh, Tim, I wanted to there. keep this failing for my constituents and my family. I am not gay. Here's a corpse watch. I'm digging up bones. I'm digging up bones. Keep sneezing. Serve me a sandwich. Where, I was going to say, where's some breadsticks that I can serve? I'm resurrecting memories <laughs> Lots of places are bread sticks. But you have that special Vancouver touch. <laughs> That's the taste of Vancouver. <laughs> taste of the couve. Well, a Monison, Pennsylvania man allegedly broke into a funeral parlor, tampered with a female corpse before getting caught in the act. Tampered. Mm-hmm. Is Roderick, that what they call that now? That's what they call it. Uh, Roderick Jones, who police said was convicted of abuse of a corpse back in 1999, is back to his old tricks again. He's facing new charges stemming from the alleged incident. Uh, funeral director Johnny Draper said he left the Draper funeral home to talk to some friends across the street for about 10 minutes or so. He noticed a light in the basement, went back inside, and that's when he caught Roderick Jones lying next to the coffin of a woman whom Draper was preparing for burial. <laughs> okay, hold on. Uh, hold on. There is a pause just there, and I looked over. And Tim has this one expression that he does. That, I mean, there's more than one expression, but there is a very specific expression. And it's, you pull back slightly from the news story, you open your mouth, but no sound comes out, mm-hmm. and then your left eyebrow arches up as far as it can possibly go with an expression that seems to say, I don't know how to convey the following few sentences, ladies and gentlemen. Now, one of the deceased women's legs was up in the air, her stockings removed, and plastic covering around her body had been... Torn open. You know, the worst thing about that is the one leg up in the air. That's the worst detail oh. there. I mean, I guess really you don't need, but I guess one leg moved is really all you need. I mean, I mean, really we should talk about the shortest point from A to B, but I mean, really. Well, Jones was lying down near the coffin in an attempt to hide, but Draper said he was able to restrain the man until police arrived. The funeral home has a top-notch security system, and there has never been a break-in before. Yeah, clearly. Top-notch corpses as well. He also believes he made it back to the building before the corpse was abused. According to the police, Jones has a history of burglary, criminal trespassing, and mischief, along with the 1999 conviction in the unrelated case. Okay. He's being held in prison, charged with abuse of a corpse and burglary. Well, there you go. There's your corpse watch for uh, whatever the, uh, the, the Wednesday on the Rick Emerson show. Did you see the front of the Oregonian today where there's that big story about prison rape? Yeah. It's the weirdest headline. It's something about... Really? I, well, we were just talking about inappropriate sexual conduct in this story. Uh, but on the front page of the Oregonian today, uh, Big Jim from the Marconi Show pointed this out. He was pointing on the front page of the Oregonian to some article. I don't have the paper in front of me, but it says something about... Um, says opponents of something like opponents of prison rape as though there are proponents there are advocates advocates i am strongly pro prison rape um it may not have said a poem it was was, you know foes of prison rape you know face struggle against attitudes apparently the attitude that prison rape is fantastic the attitude that it's a great way to pass your time is just the weirdest headline it seems like the headline the front page especially the oregonians become more and more salacious Uh, i i guess as a as they say, in an effort to acquire eyeballs, um, 
So there you go. So be sure to what? Be sure to check that out. Let's do. Uh, okay, here's Jim Riley. Uh, Trent Locks says uh, Larry Craig does not have to resign. Trent Locks. Yeah, Trent Locks. Yeah, the, is that the Jewish version of Trent Locks? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm Trent Locks. We just found out about it the night before last. The Republican leadership in the Senate has uh, requested that the matter be sent to the Ethics Committee to investigate the details. Today, we suggested that he step aside from his committee assignments. He has uh, agreed to that. I think that's uh, appropriate at this time. Okay. Uh, Hillary Clinton is paying a visit to David Letterman tomorrow night. It'll be Clinton's seventh visit to the program. The day also marks the 14th anniversary of the late show on CBS. She'll uh, make an on-all-new guest appearance on the September 4th edition of the Ellen DeGeneres Show. Meanwhile, Bill Clinton will stop by Oprah and the late show September 4th to promote his new book, Giving, How Each of Us Can Change the World. Fantastic. That's that. All right. Hey, and by the way, just before we do anything else, and I think uh, here's what. So next hour we will have the top five. Scotty is laboring mightily over this top five uh, musical artists who choked to death on their own vomit. Apparently he's got the list itself, but I guess it was coming up with the mysterious fifth artist. I don't think we have six. How many do we have? Five, Scotty? Is that how many artists we have on the uh, the top? It's actually five. I don't think there's an honorable mention because you would think there would just be dozens of them. Uh, got them all? Really? Are there five or six? How many? How many artists? Six, really? There aren't six people. There aren't six. These are all musicians or, you know, musical artists. I call shenanigans. There are not six musical artists who choke to death on, on vomit. No. I can think of, like, off the top of my head, I got three. Maybe four. Okay, well, yeah, no, but even including that one, I only got four. All right, well, whatever. So we'll do that next hour. Uh, top five musical acts who choke to death on vomit. Uh, more of uh, Tim Riley coming up at some point. Were we talking to Mr. Skin today? Did that happen? Is that a... Scotty, is that a thing where someone planned to fail and failed to plan? Okay, just checking. All right. Um, so <laughs> just type this on the screen. Yes, I failed again. Uh, yeah, intern, and then intern him coming in all flustered saying he needs an intern. Yeah, all right. Well, no, it's probably it probably at this juncture, Scotty. It's uh, probably not going to be able to make it happen. That's he is okay. back there trying to do like ten things. No, I understand, and, he, and he's already stressing out about filling in for Tim tomorrow. Not that anybody can really ever take Tim's place, but I mean, it is. I told Scotty to relax and have some fun with it. It is a heavy weight to put on Scotty's. Uh... Do not try to read news. <laughs> well, I, I said that, encouraging him what? to do other things and expand his horizons. But I mean, what is he going to do during the news segment if he's not reading news? <laughs> I don't know. It's up to him. <laughs> I, I feel it'll be less spices for the listeners. To listen. <laughs> Don't read news. Just um, give him a little poetic license. Just whistle and clap your hands for 90 seconds. I really feel like a Scotty J book club, just as a side note. Because, I mean, how great is it, though, I mean, that that the, the, the like the youth and revolt thing and the survivor uh, and the girlfriend in a coma, that there is sort of, sort of a, it has taken on a viral life of its own. That is pretty great. I don't know whether we should have Scotty J recommend, well, of course Scotty J can't recommend books. He doesn't, he doesn't read books. We should probably come he up with. recommend books about Donald Trump. We could re- recommend pamphlets. Uh, Rick, I have the following leaflets I would like the audience to enjoy. Uh, maybe we should come up with some sort of book for him that the audience could vote on. The audience could vote for some sort of a primer, some sort of, uh, some, some sort of a, uh, you know, like an entry level uh, book for him to read. Something like that. Uh, hey, speaking of entry level, this is the last day that I have. I, I'm not going to be able to do this after this is the last chance I have to do this. Um, so and this is actually a request from my wife, Lara, who's leaving town tomorrow. She's actually leaving the country tomorrow. Oh. Uh, tomorrow. I'm not going until so next month. pizza and TV for Oh, you. dude, I am already. Can I just tell you this? I have already gotten numerous MySpace messages from, like, 
other guys, like our friend, uh, like our friend Brent, the Muddy River Nightmare Band. Mm-hmm. Like his wife is actually. How weird is this? Did I mention this on the air? That my wife is actually kind of hooking up with his wife in Europe because they're both going to be in Europe at the same time. So how weird that, you know, my wife and Mrs. Muddy River Nightmare Band uh, will be spending time together in Italy. Meanwhile, you know, their <laughs> bloated pasty husbands will be back in, uh, back in Portland. Um, so he's already like, dude, I have already purchased 15 frozen pizzas and 12 DVDs. Oh, I bet you just stocked up on Tony's pizzas. Oh, you? man, I'm, it's just going to be nothing but Gino's Pizza Rolls and Battlestar Galactica for like two weeks. Because I'm not leaving until halfway through September. Um, so uh, so Lara is leaving town tomorrow. She's going to Italy and other foreign places uh, for a few weeks. And so she has – and so she's been sort of doing the – studying Italian, doing that thing where, like, you have the CD where they have you speak along with the various phrases and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she's got, you know – where, where, I don't know how to say any of this, but she says, where is the bathroom? And then she'll sort of say, blah, 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 or whatever, whatever the hell it is. But as I noted the other day, so many of the phrases they give you, like, they're just completely useless. They didn't make the, you know, where can I find a supermarket? When, it, it, like, clearly, half the stuff that they tell you to learn. Which way to the haberdashery? <laughs> exactly. I mean, totally. Where may I find a bowling alley? Like, phrases that you will never use. And so she actually had a really great idea. This is an int- you know what somebody should do. This is a great idea for a product, and this is not a product I can. I don't. I feel fine saying this on the air because I have no wherewithal to do this myself. Somebody really ought to do, because you know the the big money now is in sort of hip or edgy versions of traditional books or things. Like they have, um, like my wife has. She has this. She has the worst book. It's called vegan with a vengeance and i swear to god the subtitle is something like you know like the like the riot girl's guide to vegan cooking or something it's just retarded and then they have that book alterna dad that just came out oh. and on the front it's like a teddy bear with a nose ring and it's like how to be a hip edgy rock and roll parent they ought to do some language lesson version of that though where it's like where it's like phrases you could actually use, like where can I score an eighth, you know, or something like in whatever country it is you're going to. So she asked me to ask uh, y'all, for, it, it, uh, the thing about scoring an eighth is just as a humorous example, but um, phrases that, that they don't, like what are the most useful phrases? She actually, as dumb as this sounds, has mastered saying, do you speak English? Because I figure it's just sort of a pinch she could just punt with that. So what is it that, that you need to know, like how to ask? I mean, in is there countries? anything, yeah, when she's in Italy. I mean, she can figure out exactly how to say it. But is there anything that, like, you find you, because you, you all have been to foreign oh, countries. Which I way have. to the popes? <laughs> how can, which way to eternal, which way to have my sins absolved, please? So having been in other countries, is there something that you always, that you found yourself sort of in a pinch having to say, but you didn't know how? Because she can figure out exactly what the translation is. I'm just trying to figure out what other you're phrases. You're something me. I mean, because I've never been to Italy. I don't know if you're. Are you asking about like specific places? I haven't been to Italy. No, either. but just. But it has nothing. To, I don't think it's Italy specific. I think as an American in a place where they don't speak English as the first language, like other than like where is the bathroom, which is the one that everybody comes up with. I mean, and there may not be anything. Is there anything especially important that you need to be able to ask in a foreign country? God. Maybe not. So, I mean, maybe she's yeah, got Yeah, I know that you had this this whole bit in your head, but no, I don't really know. It's not even really a bit, because there may not even be anything. And in many foreign countries in Europe, the, the toilet is always called the WC, and you'll see the initial water, water closet. Yeah. All right. So, so whatever, blah, blah, blah. Because yeah, it's not is, the bathroom in England, it's the toilet. If you ask for the bathroom, they'll point you to where the shower is. Yep. They, they right. laugh when they come over here, and, and, and our word for it is restroom at the airport. A restroom? Do I take a rest there? Well, water closet doesn't make any sense. 
Water no, they closet. mostly say toilet. Toilet. Mm-hmm. Where's the toilet? That does. It that does funny. actually. No, but it actually does make a lot more sense. Just where can I urinate, please? Some places are toilets. There are holes in. <laughs> if you're in v- Man, a friend of hers just came back from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We spent. I don't know. I mean, isn't that a dead Kennedy song about vacationing in Vietnam? I mean, look, I appreciate other cultures and so forth, you know, from a distance. I don't understand why one would vacation in Vietnam. And it wasn't, she's not even a college student. She could have gone anywhere. Where do you want to go? I need to go to Vietnam. And I mean, really, she talked about just going to use what we would refer to as a restroom. And honestly, just a big hole. Just, and I don't mean a big hole like you go to a dive bar and you go, this is a hole. I mean, literally, just a big hole. Those are some of my first memories when I lived in Spain when I was younger. We would travel around Spain. That, that was, we'd stay in shacks with no electricity and with just a hole. Oh, oh, you know what? No, here's the other one. Where can I get cheap drinks? What's That's your cheapest? One. Yeah. Where can I get cheap drinks? She'll want to know that. Where can I get cheap drinks? I have no idea what these people are calling about. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hola. What? Hello, hey, Rick, how's it going? Yes. Hi. Hey, so the easy question you need to ask is how much does this cost? Because not everything has price labels on it. Is that true? And is it? Yes. Now, let me ask you this. To the best of, not that anybody here is like an Italy expert. Now, is Italy another country where it's like a lot of haggling? Uh, when you're shopping, do you suppose? Because that's, you know, you, like... have, you have a lot of open market space where it's mom and pop run it, and even though if even if there is a price, it'll change. That's how it is in Germany that you can get it for less than the asking price. How much does this cost? That actually is a really good one. All right. Oh yeah. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Rick. All right. Boy, you know, as much as I like to be argumentative, sometimes that haggling thing just, I am no good at that. I am the world's worst haggler. And I think that is an American thing. I think in America you are just so used to, like, the price is the price. I mean, the first time I was in wherever, blah, 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 Mexico, and I was, you know, and the guy said, uh, so, you know, this, this, how much for this clay pot, sir? Well, that's $29. And I said, well, no, thank you. And I walked away, and the guy did everything but, like, chase me down the street. Like, he kept trying to institute the haggle with me. And I was just sort of like, no, I, I'm just going to move on. He's like, no, 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 okay. no, you don't know how to do it, stupid American. And he was obviously angered and sort of flummoxed by the fact that I didn't know how to haggle with him. Oh, that's what happens in um, in Chinatown in San Francisco. They practically pull you into the restaurant. They will not take no. And you think all this stuff is free because they keep piling food on your plate. Then you get the bill. That happened to me. That totally happened to me when we were in San Francisco. We went to a dim sum place on Christmas. And it, we wa- and it, it, it's piling things. Oh, this must be part of a buffet. It was sort of like being in either Tijuana or in Vegas because you watched in Vegas and those guys who shoved the porn into your hands, like the escort magazines. Yeah. You want to have this? No, I don't want it. No, come on, take In it. New Orleans, it's drinks. Really? Oh, yeah, they'll give you drinks. Walking through China. Like, right, five bucks. It's like, what? I don't want to. Oh, the anything. same thing happens in Hamburg. Oh. Here, take care of my friends. <laughs> uh, my friend Gina was in Mexico, and she was, uh, we, the four of us went down with myself and Lara and Gina and her girlfriend, uh, Stephanie. And we'd all gone down there. Lara and I go one way, Gina and Steph go another direction. And apparently they'd gone into some club, and they're dancing in some, they're dancing, it sounds like the beginning to every American tourist horror story. They're dancing in a club in Mexico, and there was a guy with, you know, one of those wineskins. You know, it's like one of those big things that's full of, you know, water or wine or whatever. And they were dancing in some club, I think already a little lit. And a guy would ring a bell, and every time he rang the bell, dudes would rush onto the floor with a wineskin full of tequila. And the thing is, you would just tilt your head back and open your mouth, and they would dump tequila into your mouth. And then she tried to leave, and he's like, okay, that'll be $94. And they totally did like a retro bill. Oh. Like, she had no idea. She's in a club. They ring a bell. And she and she thought that she just lucked into it and found the greatest club on earth where they just dumped tequila in your mouth for no reason. And she goes to leave, and they tried to hit her for like 100 bucks at the door. The same thing happened to me when I was in St. Pauli. 
And, and all of a sudden you turn around and you're surrounded by all these older women with boobs out to here. <laughs> the St. Pauli girls. Your, these are older St. Pauli girls. St. <laughs> Pauli girls from 1938. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, would you like to see our back room? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Yeah, that reminds me of my favorite uh, scene in Life of Brian, the haggling scene. Oh, we did, wait, no. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the Ocelot Nose scene. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Wolf nipples. and. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think from what I've heard, uh, and Sarah may be able to give us some background on this, but a handy phrase to learn in Rome might be, hey, Guido, get your hands off my ass. Quit touching me, sir. I'm yeah. uh, not that kind of American girl. Oh, that's a good one. Is Italy a gropey country, do you suppose? Is that one of those countries where the guys just uh... I, I heard that's like a national sport over there, and they go for the tourists. Get your like hand Greece. off my ass. My sister lived in Greece, and she'd walk down the street, and people would grab her all the time. Man, I remember uh, a friend of mine spent... Um, that my friend Robin is very, very into Spain. She goes to Spain uh, once a year for like two or three months. And she said that the first time she was there, she had to sort of adjust her, her, her parameters in her head because she would walk. I think that like the, it was like the first day she had ever been there. She was still a college student. And she's in blah, 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 Spain. And she's walking down the street. And she walks by some guy. And here in America, you get the construction workers. They can you know, sort of whistle at you or they'll kind of go like, hey, mama, you know, or whatever. She's walking down the street in Spain. And the guy just says, your ass is a gift from the gods, which is, you know, kind of nice in a weird way. Like I think that means he likes you. Seriously, I it's it's the it's their custom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, only the but I mean, really, if you're a guy, like if you are European, you can kind of get away with that in a weird. Like you couldn't get away with that in Gresham, or if you're at the Vatican. <laughs> Seriously. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi. Uh, hey, uh, very interesting uh, comparison on this uh, this senator guy. If you look on Drudge Report. Oh, is this, uh, about, is this about Larry Craig, who's not gay? Yes. If you yes. look, uh, there's a picture of his mugshot. Then there's a picture of him uh, next to him. There's another guy, and that guy looks exactly like the guy who was in either Armageddon or Deep Impact. One of the two who got blinded in that movie looks exactly like the cop or who it is, but it, I thought, my God, it looks just like that actor. What the hell's going on? I think... Uh... I have nowhere else to go but here. I think Larry Craig was looking for a different kind of deep impact, sir. Well, I'm just uh, saying it looks like that actor. I don't know if that's a picture of the cop, but it would be interesting to check it out. And, uh, you know, it's just something interesting no, for the show. No oop to that. Okay, out. bye. Excellent. <laughs> Scotty will check on that. Um, Rick, my sister-in-law went to Spain for a summer and had a, had a, and she had a little warning. I don't know if this is just Spain or the rest of Europe, but she said they go to a restaurant, and this is what Tim said, like in the U.S., they bring you bread right away. However, they'd get the bill, and at the end of the meal, they'd be charged for the bread, even though they never asked for it. Seems kind of like a scam to me, but maybe it's just a Spain thing. So there you go. Um, let's see. Please, please not to be rubbing my area. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Aaron sent in a good one. I am not a terrorist. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Where's the U.S. Embassy? Yes. I have asylum. Where is the Where is the U.S. on the map? I'm trying to get. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I did not vote for George Bush. Uh, are your beds clean? How much will you give? How much will you give me for 15 minutes with my friends here? <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, here's somebody trying to. I get the weirdest emails during the show. Rick, would you want to buy my tickets to Hall and Oates? Uh, all right. Let's see. What do we? Uh, I have time. I'm trying to get to these emails. They're sort of vague and unsorted here. Let's see now. It's they're all just whorehouse phrases. How much to make me happy? Uh, 
Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi. Hey, a little quick side note. Uh, I spoke to you a couple days ago about uh, regional dialects, you know, roof and roof. And, yes, sir. Uh, it was interesting because the day after that, which was yesterday. The day, wait, let me understand this. The day after two days ago was yesterday? Well, yeah. Okay. I guess the math works out. Anyway, Tim was doing a story, and I know Tim's not you, but uh, at the end of the story uh, he said uh, something involving water, obviously, and he said crick. Okay, so if, if a Are you another – let me understand this. You're another one of – you're another corrector, aren't you? Kind of. Yes. This is – this is the is, – let me ask you this. How much of your average day would you say is taken up by listening to this program and writing down lists of things you need to correct us on? No more than 26, maybe 27 hours. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. Thank you, my friend. Hey, wait, whoa, whoa, Rick. Yeah. Item, item, the main thing I called in about is uh, about an hour ago you had a caller on there, and he was talking about uh, 5 a.m. in the morning. There is nothing, nothing that sounds more Appalachian than people saying 5 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning. When people say that, you need to you need to assemble some sort of a you know kind of a correction squad and, and put it out there, please. I'll get right on it, sir. All right, thanks. Bye now. Bye. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. I wanted to know about burger. <laughs> okay, what did you want to know, prospective employer? Well, just what's the deal? What the heck is the deal with my name's, my name's Smokey. Would you like to know about Geico? Uh, I'm sorry. What do you mean? What is the deal, sir? Well, listen. I I'm, uh, I, I just want to know. I don't understand. I, I I'm one of these I'm one of these people left in the dark on this situation. I don't understand. I know how you feel, sir. Who wants to help me? I don't know. Not me. What, I don't is it, what, what is it you don't understand? Listen, I got an email that said to call you and ask about Booger. Is he giving you trouble or something? Is there some problem? Who's this Booger character? What? Are you doing a bit, sir? Let me first of all. Let's first things first. Is this your real voice or is this a fake, like a kooky radio voice? A kooky radio voice. This is a Hoyt Axton. Hoyt Axton. Hoyt Axton. Gremlins reference. Nice. Uh, listen. Is, is, uh, no, hold on. Is this your regular speaking voice, or are you? Is this a character that you are speaking as? Is, uh, you got me. I got it. I got the email from you. I'm calling you back. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here, so I'm coming in firing all guns, trying to figure out if if there's something worked up on your show with somebody named Booger that I'm supposed to come in and attack them or something. I'm totally sorry if I'm out of if I'm out of line or off base. I. Uh, hello. Yes. Hello? Yes. Hello, we're losing your call, sir. No, I... Hello? Ah, oh, damn, that's unfortunate. Rick, don't ask for a napkin in England. That's a diaper. Really? Is that true? Oh, yeah. A nappy. A nappy. Oh. See, I'm... See, I'm... The, this Really, this list, I guess, is more for me. Uh, let's see. Uh, she wants to... Oh, this is a good one. Where is the bank? That is a good one. Well, they're everywhere. Where? ATMs are... Everywhere there. Where is the bank? All right, yeah, so Ed, uh, let's see. What else? We'll do, uh, let's see, one more. Uh, this one says, Rick, what kind of meat is this? If you don't ask this question early enough, how about where is the hospital? That is really excellent. Thank you, uh, Kathy. That's hilarious. Well, chances are you will be covered there, but you won't be in America. No, it's that's an interesting question. Okay, now, look, if something, here's a question. If something happens to you, uh, in Italy, and by you I mean Lara, if something happens to her and she's run over by a, a 
an ox cart or whatever it is those people use. It, what is it? Are you if you go to the hospital, are, do you have to pay? Yeah, I don't know. That's, in, that's don't actually know that. of all. I don't think you do in England. Improbably, this is a serious question. Um, so because she has insurance, well, but I'm sure it's only America. Accidents there. Well, I mean, you one never knows, or you know, whatever you know, with the people rolling wheels of cheese or whatever those folks do for entertainment over there. Um, so if she gets into some sort of an accident and she goes to a hospital, especially if it's a hospital where maybe, because uh, she doesn't uh, let's be let's, let's just call a spade a spade. She doesn't speak Italian. She has she's mastered like nine phrases out of a Rick Steves book. So if she goes to a hospital, uh, is I wonder if they I wonder if that's taken care of or if that's just if they have some idiot American tourist. Fund that pays for that sort of a thing? That's actually an interesting question. I'll have to, we'll have to look into that. She should bring some uh, Marlboros with her. Well, she, people with. <laughs> with, a, with her Yankee blue jeans. Can I pay you in these Levi's 501s? The, uh, I did that when, uh, when I went right over there to Eastern Europe after communism went down. You bought something? You paid for something with blue jeans? I did. I know, uh, with uh, Marlboros. Really? I got better service. Playing cards and pictures of Mickey I got Mouse. Unmarked bottles of things. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because like my toothless women, I do <laughs> with boobs out there here. I, uh, I, because here's the thing: I do love my wife, but as as I've noted, she has very bad um, balance. She uh, she falls over a lot when stone sober. She falls over a lot. She falls over. She had an ear infection when she was a kid, so she has uh, her equilibrium is off. She had I, I'm making light of it, but she had um, she had a, a, an ear infection when she was really little, and so her equilibrium is like not all that hot. And if she like. Man, you get like even just two drinks into her, and it's really, it's like suddenly the gravity is all over the place with her. So it's only a matter of time before she's like at a basilica and just falls down like a hundred stone steps and fractures everything in her well, body. Well, if she's near an ox cart, chances are there's some hay nearby. <laughs> if, if, if it happens in the Vatican, they can just give her the last rites there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a puff of blue smoke comes out of the chimney. <laughs> it's the best show ever. Not in general, just today. All right, we should take a break. We'll come back after this. Coming up in this hour, top five musicians who choke to death on their own vomit. I read you a phrase from the most disturbing book ever. And Tim Riley returns at the Ministry of Truth, plus your phone calls. It's 503-733-2970. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Emerson radio program. I totally failed to hit this post. So I'll just keep talking. There we go. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. This email says, this is so great because this email starts with talk. Hey, Rick. Proof there are U.S. Americans who enjoy the goodness of the Rick Emerson show in the suburbs. Ever since the day you and Sarah were talking about the movie Requiem for a Dream, I've been trying to find it at my local Happy Valley blockbuster to no avail. All their copies have been out. It's driving me crazy. But do I make the drive to another video store? No, I'm far too lazy. I just whine to my wife about it and rent something stupid instead. Great show, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Great movie. Great haunting movie. Uh, all right, speaking of haunting, uh, several people have called asking when I'm going to do talk about uh, this, uh, this, uh, this book that I read. Uh, I'll do just a couple of minutes on that, and then we'll be done. But first, uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. 
Yeah, just uh, I have a phrase for you yes, for uh, travel overseas. Okay, is my wife is going to Italy uh, tomorrow. So, and then I'm going to be uh, next month. I'll be in London for a wee bit. She's she's really the one. She's going to be in Europe for three weeks. So, what's up? Well, what she really needs to know how to say is. Where's the Canadian embassy? <laughs> That's, I asked oh, her, yeah. all kidding aside, I asked her if she was going to lie and say she was Canadian. Because you hear that so much, that you should so want a Canadian flag and whatever. And to her credit, um, you know, she, God bless her, bailing out the ocean with a thimble. To her credit, she actually is going to, I won't say proudly, but she is going to sort of, she's not going to hide the fact that she's an American. Because she said that she wants to, in some small way, uh, maybe change the image of Indian Americans abroad. So she is. Uh, I she was considering saying she's from Canada, but she actually is going to cop to being an American uh, because she wants to uh, to try to show that Americans are not uh, all morons. So right. Well, cop to it until things get real dicey. Until there's, a, until there's a riot. Yeah, exactly. Until there's a coup, and then you and Fredo <laughs> just hop in a plane. All right. Thank there you. you go. Bye Thanks. now. All right. There you go. All right. Um. So let's see. Where's my. Uh... That's my uh, music here. Okay, so I'm going to do this, and then we should probably do the top five, uh, and then uh, Tim Riley will be back here from the Ministry of Truth. Okay, so... I <laughs> You're physically holding the copy. I'm up. holding the copy. It's an autographed copy. I found this at Powell's autographed, actually. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it was very cool, and uh, for, for actually, for no for no additional cash, it was like, uh, I don't know, six, it was six fifty. Um, so we had talked about Youth and Revolt a couple weeks ago, and then... A while after that, I had mentioned this really haunting, terrifying, gripping book I had read. Um, that was actually, just, it, it, again, I don't want to make it seem like it. you shouldn't read it. You should. It's, it, it is sort of like that Requiem for a Dream thing where it is a fantastic book. Maybe the most compelling book. Certainly probably, certainly the most compelling nonfiction book I have ever read. But re- very dark, very haunting. It came out in 2002, I think, 2001. Um, it is called In the Heart of the Sea, The Tragedy of the Whale Ship Essex by Nathaniel Philbrick. And it is the National Book Award winner for 2001. Um, so it's just, it is, a, it, and I will say that it describes an event that took place at the turn of the century. It took place in the late 1800s. Don't let that scare you off. It is not written in some, it, it just came out five or six years ago. It's not written in some weird, arcane, old English or something. It's a very, it is written in a very, um, I hate to use the phrase easy to read because it's, you know, it's not like it's Ooh, five pictures? years old. But um, there are some pictures there, and a lot of um, there are pictures of the, some of the participants. There are uh, some really interesting sketches of the event. They show a little bit. There's some. Um, uh, I'm not giving anything away here, but there are some sort of artifacts from the ship that have been found over the years that are on display in a museum in Nantucket, which I now really want to go see. Um, but it is written in a very, uh, a very easily read, very uh, compelling, very fast-paced uh, narrative style. So it's called In the Heart of the Sea by Nathaniel Philbrick. What I will now do is I will read to you one small section. I can't believe I'm now reading a book on the radio. That used to be a running joke with my friends and I that that was like the absolute single dullest worst thing you could possibly do. And yet here I am doing it. So I will now read to you one small section, and I'm giving nothing away because this is actually not even from the real book. This is from the uh, from the preface. This is from this, this is where it's still Roman numerals. It's like XII right here in the beginning. So this is from the preface, and it's just uh, I don't know a few sentences, a couple paragraphs, and it describes uh, a lifeboat being spotted uh, by another ship out on the sea. So uh, and then you'll. If you don't, if you find this too, and it's not that graphic, it is a little gruesome though. So if you find this off-putting, uh, you don't want to read the book. But this is a fair assessment uh, of the tone of the book. The Nantucket whale ship, the Dolphin, was making her way up the Chilean coast. 
On that February morning, the lookout saw something unusual. A boat, impossibly small for the open sea, bobbing on the swells. The ship's captain, Zimri Coffin, trained his spyglass on the mysterious craft with keen curiosity. He soon realized it was a whaleboat, but unlike any whaleboat he had ever seen. It was a small life raft. The boat's sides had been built up by half a foot. The sails had clearly pulled the boat along for many miles. They were bleached by the sun and stiff with salt. He could see no one at the oar. Under his watchful eye, the helmsman brought the ship as close as possible to the derelict lifeboat. Even though their momentum quickly swept them past it, the brief seconds during which the ship loomed over the open lifeboat presented a sight that would stay with the crew the rest of their lives. First, they saw bones, human bones, littering the thwarts and floorboards as if the lifeboat were the sea-going lair of a ferocious man-eating beast. Then they saw the two men, curled up in opposite ends of the boat, their skin covered in sores, eyes bulging from the hollows of their skulls, beards caked with salt and blood. They were sucking the marrow from the bones of their dead shipmates. Instead of greeting their rescuers with smiles of relief, the survivors, too delirious with thirst and hunger to speak, were disturbed and frightened. They jealously clutched the splintered, gnawed-over bones with a desperate, almost feral intensity, refusing to give them up, like two starving dogs found trapped in a pit. Later, once the survivors had been given food and water, and finally surrendered the bones they had been clutching, one of them found the strength to tell his story. It was a tale made of a whaleman's worst nightmares, of being in a boat far from land, with nothing left to eat or drink, and... Perhaps worst of all, of a whale with the vindictiveness and guile of a man. There you go. All right. <laughs> so that's like page, that's not even page one. That's like page one of the preface to the actual book. And so he does this great narrative trick, Nathaniel Philbrick does, of telling you right at the beginning how it all ends. He's like, here's how it ends. It ends with two guys and that's the worst image of all by the way two guys in opposite ends of a lifeboat as far away from each other as they can possibly get staring at each other and then in the boat between them just a mound of bones <laughs> that's messed up and so you and, and so then like the actual book starts then he does that thing of flashing back a few months to the actual beginning of the whole terrible journey the worst part about this is how long were they out on the boat um like 90 days something like that so it was like 93 days in the middle of the Pacific where the sun just beats down on you, no covering, no. And it is basically just a glorified leaky lifeboat oh. that they're in. There were originally three lifeboats. Um, but it's like, remember in Titanic when, um, do you remember when you're on the Titanic? It was awesome. Do you remember in the Titanic they do that great trick where the guy is showing Gloria Stewart the computer animation of how the ship crashes mm -hmm. and sinks? That's a real nifty trick because then when it happens later, you know what you're seeing. He does a similar thing in this book where he starts it by telling you the end result. And all it does, instead of making you feel better because you know what's going to happen, it, as you're then reading the next 280 pages or whatever the book, it's worse because you know what's waiting for you at the end. Oh, well, it is like the movie Titanic completely because you see the beginning and you see the shipwreck and you know that you're loving, you're starting to get to know the characters and you know that they're all going to die. And the whole, yeah, so the whole book is just this one long gloom-filled death march. Uh, to this to this horrible end, and uh, and it's the worst image of the, of the two guys like clutching the bones and like refusing to give them up even when they've been rescued. 
I mean, that's uh, and then he flashes back to where they start off as like very proper, like you know, commanders of a of a whale ship, you know, and the idea that that's how it's all going to end for them. I mean, it's it's a fascinating book. It is unbelievable. How many great. of them survived? Um, well, how many start and how many? I don't know that I want to say because I'm not sure if he says that in the preface. But okay. I will say, I will say this: the the whale ship that they're on, the Essex, is rammed repeatedly by an angry sperm whale. I guess who's just decided he's had enough of whaling. Rams the boat. The ship sinks in like ten minutes. Twenty guys go into three small leaky uh, lifeboats. That, of course, haven't been repaired for years. That are all damaged, don't have room for water, anything on them. So that's it. 20 guys, three boats, middle of the ocean. Go! I mean, that's... And then you just got 280 pages of... Why am I reading this? All right, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Um, okay, it is 225. So, um, should we break... Do Tim and then the top five? We could. All right. We'll take a break here. Back after this. It's 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Show continues with the top five musical acts who choke to death on their own vomit and Tim Riley. You stay there. I think he was Job in The Lawnmower Man. Lawnmower man. That's yeah, a, I'm looking at a picture of him. He does have super intense eyes. That's probably now. I gotta come. Light break. I gotta look. Hold on. Oh, he's gonna be perfect on that. Uh, no, I'm thinking of somebody else. He wasn't. What the hell was he in the lawnmower man? I gotta figure it out. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Jeff Fahey apparently joined the cast of Lost. And they bill him as being in Grindhouse and the Lawnmower Man, but now I can't think of who he was. It's going to bug me. Are you sure he wasn't the main guy in the Lawnmower Man? No, because uh, the main guy, I mean, that was like 20 years ago, but he wouldn't be that old. Because the main guy in the Lawnmower Man was, I think, in his early 20s, and the guy who played Job. Well, I don't think he's very old. He just has the big beard. He has like a beard, big Rasputin beard. All right. And just a few will do the uh, top five musicians who choke to death on their own vomit. This, though, is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A man is charged with choking his wife and assaulting another man. 26-year-old Canby Man is charged with strangulation. The Canby Man. And two counts of assault. One of the victims, his wife. Happened around 3 o'clock this morning. Police responded to a call about an out-of-control, intoxicated man with a knife. This is in the 180th block of Northeast Fifth Avenue in Canby. They found fresh blood on the carpeting. One man with a cut arm, another with cuts to his arm and neck. They found the suspect's wife covered in blood with a black eye, red marks around her throat, signifying he tried to choke her. The woman told the police that her husband, Kenneth Fisher IV, who also goes by the name of Kenneth Schultz for some reason, became angry when she made comments about another man. She told officers he punched her in the face, pushed her down on the bed, and choked her with his hands. She passed out. When she came to, she ran from the house, fell on her face, and neighbor came to her aid. Police arrived at the house. The other two victims are uncooperative. They refuse to give any statements. All the victims were treated by Kenby fire medics at the scene. The suspect, who also gave a false name to the cops, has been carted off to Clackamas County Jail. Men... A murdered girl is found downtown, an 18-year-old found dead in a Portsmouth apartment. 
Did I say I meant Portland? This is the 1200 block of Southwest 11th Avenue near Jefferson, downtown. 18-year-old Emily Egan found dead, her mom said. The man who did it lured her into a life of porn and drugs. The suspect, Paul Frizzell, had slit his wrist before police found him this morning. He is not dead. He is involved in the porn industry, and so is this young lady who was found. I didn't really know there was a porn industry here in Portland. Well, I guess we know what's his name, Tim Ryan, who does music for porn films. But I guess I didn't think it was like a burgeoning field here in the Rose City. And it doesn't say it's a burgeoning field. It says the, it exists. The porn industry? Yeah. I mean, look at how many strip clubs we have. Look at how many people make their lives, uh, you know, their livelihood out of taking their clothes off. Well, that's true. I guess there's that in porn stores. Mm-hmm. I guess I didn't. I, yeah, I've I, heard of a, I've heard of clubs too having like basements where they actually really? do where some of Torture the dancers chambers. secret naughty rooms. Yeah, well, the, but the dancers also film like porn in the basement. Of them. No one ever tells me anything about this. Then they uh, smoke opium. <laughs> they put you on a slow boat to China. All right. Put you in a room and put you into the white sex trade. No, we're not trying to make light of it. I mean, this this town has a, a reputation for such things. I'm making light of it. It's not, not something story. of a bygone era. Well, I'm not making light on, of this story. We've all been unemployed and we looked for jobs on Craigslist. Don't you see all the TV jobs? Or like, I, you I swear to God, job. when you started that sentence, I really thought you were going something else with it. We've all, we've all been unemployed. <laughs> we've all dabbled in it at one time or another. We've, we've all, all been in the, those ba- dirty basements. We've all been in an opium den, diddling strangers for 15 cents. No, because it's a TV. Pick up my tape, a newsman's <laughs> night on the town. <laughs> no, it says TV, film, video, and you just go under these all the time. And it's like, you do see model those, needed legal video work part-time. You see those a lot in the back of the Willamette, actually. A lot of those, uh, you know, topless modeling, discreet, tasteful, you know, or whatever. You know, and it's $125 an hour. St. John's Desire. <laughs> oh, foot models for foot fetish sites. Really? Is that on Craigslist? One of my friends had a friend who did Larry that Craigslist? in New York. She would let rich men play with her feet for like a half an hour at a time, and they... It, they pay like 500 bucks. Now, see, she sit there and play with her feet. I don't think you've ever told me this story, but that does dovetail right in with that idea we had about the footeteria. Mm-hmm. The, the place where you could just go touch ladies' feet. Well, you know, did I ever tell you the idea that Joni and I had to 100 become... 100 bucks an hour to model your feet. Did I ever tell you the idea that Joni and I had to become porn magnates? Joni DeRoshi and I had the best idea. And, and it was when I was unemployed. And I was like, how can I make quick cash? Um, I had the greatest idea. And it was just to sell... Now, I know you'll think that I'm a sleazy guy, but I was thinking about what would guys buy. And I had the best idea, and it was just to sell um, porn. Well, you might say that, Tim. You might call it that, Tim. But it was just... It was just Well, yes. <laughs> it was just going to be DVDs, but it wasn't going to be nudity or sex. It was just going to be of girls kissing. That's what it was going to be. No You're nudity. Weird. No, but I, look, it's not It's not like I'm going to buy it. I'm just saying. Well, it's something that's safe or worse. But I'm saying, but see, that's the thing. You could, here's the the genius of this product, of just some movies of girls kissing. If there's no sex, no nudity, because you can sell it then almost everywhere because it's not an adult product. Mm-hmm. That was our whole thing, is that you could market it in all the places where you couldn't market regular adult films. Um, like that's the thing with those girls gone wild videos initially is that they was just nudity and not sex. So you could sell them in all kinds of places where you couldn't sell porn. Our whole deal was this was like we had this idea and then I think the next day we forgot about it, but and it just laid there in my brain where it ready to be excavated today and talked about. But the idea was that we could film that and then you just sell it and you can sell it without restriction because it's not actual uh, sex stuff. So how did your friend? How did she even get into? That? Uh, it's my friend Jenny who has lived everywhere. Jenny's a lesbian. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you know, she didn't do it, but um, I bet she has attractive feet. 
I bet she's actually going to be in town tomorrow, and I think she might come by the thing by the studio. Actually, we want to hear about a porn career. Yeah, seriously, ever come by? No, it was it was her buddies, and they didn't have any money. They they moved to New York. They were struggling, and then they had heard about Not doing anymore. this foot fetish stuff. Seriously. Foot fetish stuff where you just go to this place and you go into a room and like sit in a chair and these like creepy old men will come and like touch your feet for a half an hour and you get paid like just, 500 uh, bucks. How do I put this? Just pl- to Craig. Pl- platonic yeah, touching? Yeah, just platonic, no, nothing sexual, fully clothed. Uh, see, I, seriously, and look, I, maybe the, I don't care what this makes me, call me whatever you want to call me. If I thought I could go somewhere and make 200 bucks an hour right now, I, I'd do it today. Today, I wouldn't even get, hey, are you Rick Evers? Yes, I am. Give me $200. <laughs> But you I have corns even, on your feet. I wouldn't even care. I think care. there might be some toe sucking. I think there was toe sucking. How much would it take an hour to let a guy suck your toes? Oh, I don't really care. And I'm not saying I'm... a theoretical figurative you. I mean you, Sarah Dillon. Oh. I'm saying not that a guy would seek you out, because, but I'm saying you, you I mean. Just, like if I wasn't like doing today, this job? Like today. Like, like if today. I Like tonight. If I, if I said, look, there's a guy tonight. No, nothing sexual. He will want to, he's, he's a clean, respectable man, but he will want to suck your toes. How much an hour would it would take? Would there be pictures? No. No, you and him in a room, no one would ever see the pictures. How much an hour? The feet would be blacked out. For how long? Yes. Uh, one hour. One hour? One hour. How much would it take for you to, to be in a room with that guy? A one hour, and again, if you understood that it would be safe, he's not crazy, it's just a, just the foot stuff. You don't have to take off anything else. You just, uh, you, know, you just take off your shoes and socks. You you don't have to uh, oh, wear anything Oh, that's weird. We can answer tomorrow. I'd what? feel like 300 400 So if a guy said... Maybe look, 500 bucks. Five, 500 bucks. I'd, I'd, I'd settle with 500 bucks. All right. Okay. For an hour. That's yeah. just weird, though. Yeah. That's way more are than... You, are you going to be the foot pimp? Totally. The, uh... Have we... I think, have, I think we've fallen into a wormhole. I think we've had this conversation. Well, we've talked about that. Well, we because we've... You know, foot fetishism has come up uh, a time or two in the show because I find it so fascinating and because it's that weird area where it's like a sexual thing that is not sexual at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because there are guys... Like, it seems to me that people pay way more for that than they do for actual, like, sex. I mean, I don't know, but it seems like 500 bucks or whatever, you know... Well, that doesn't seem unreasonable. Because maybe not a lot of people want to it's do it. It's a specialized it. field. See, but which is weird because it seems like there would be more women willing to do that because it's safer in so many ways and it's less uh, invasive, obviously. I don't, do you think if you're a foot fetishist, is that considered like a slutty job? You mean if you're a woman who does that? Yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't want to tell your friends and family about it. They yeah. might think it was weird. But, I mean, seriously, how? But it really, when you think about it, Except for societal, uh, like, taboos, how is that different than being, like, than giving massages? You know what I mean? It's, it's really not all that different if you really kind of think about it. So, I'm just saying, when you might want to keep, file that phone number away or whatever that is. You may, you may, you never know when you may need to make a car payment or something. All right, what are we doing? Uh, hello. So are there foot salons? Well, no, that's, but see, that is how we got into that discussion of opening a foot fetish salon. Oh, okay. And then a guy said that that would be illegal but I claim that it wouldn't be. I claim that it's no more illegal than a massage, and I mean like an actual real massage place, mm-hmm. where you go and like somebody, whatever, rubs your shoulders or, in fact, your feet. You have to have a license for that, though. Yeah, but I mean, so you get licensed, but you market it. See, that's how you do it. Um, you know, like I'll go and I'll go get like every couple months, I'll go get a massage, and they do like the full body thing, head to toe, whatever, yeah. and then they do. But part of that is like your feet. Um, so that's how you market it, right? You market it as a massage uh, clinic or w- whatever you call that. It's just a massage clinic that specializes in feet. That's how you make it legal. And then it's there's no sex. You make sure that there's nothing improper happening. Uh, and then the girls just split the take with the house. This really does sound sleazy. 
It does. Hi. Split the take with the house. (laughs) Hi. Look, uh, as long as I get to wet my beak. Hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, First off, I'm Jeff. I'm in Hood River, Oregon, and I can hear you. Thank you, sir. Yes. Hey, about this foot thing. Yeah. I I think an hour is too long. Because I think... Mm -hmm. it, and I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to. Well, just to set which, the there's rates. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking, like, ten or fifteen minutes would be long enough that, like, the girl employees maybe would not get weirded out by it. Yeah, an you hour know, is really long. An hour. I mean, that I could suppose. really escalate into something ugly, or maybe not so much. But I'm just saying. No, I suppose that's true. I was just trying to. What's well, s- the thing that the girls uh, that she was talking about was like a half an hour. So to set the dollar rate. A half okay. an hour for five hundred, which is what I. Yeah. Okay, so you'd say five hundred dollars half an hour. Yeah. Half an hour. Okay. Fair enough. Excellent. There you have it. Thank you, sir. Sure. All right. So that whole, seems reasonable. It does. All right. Telling you right now, if I had uh, if I had time and money, that's what I'd set up right now. I am amazed. Well, that's we couldn't discuss it on the air. I am, It'll be another be, one of those activities. Be in my conflict of interest forum with CBS. Yeah. Um, it's another one of those businesses I'm amazed doesn't exist already. Especially because, again, to make it legal, you just market it as a massage clinic. It's just they specialize. And you know that in that community, the word would get around. Mm-hmm. It's, you wouldn't even really have to advertise it because there's message boards or websites or the whatever. The, the, the MySpace and the Iraq uh, for the, for the, foot, the footist, footists, foot fetishists, the Tarantinos. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. I'm all done. I have nothing else to say about after that. There's really no way to top that? No, there really isn't. Okay. Well, all right. Then. And if I can't, why bother? <laughs> if I can't top the feet. Now, that does sound dirty. <laughs> Can I, how much to top your feet? Oh, boy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello? Hi. Hey, Rick, how are you? I'm Dandy. What's up, sir? Well, rather than spending 500 bucks to uh, suck someone's toe, I'd rather just spend about 5 bucks for a Black Tiger milkshake that I forget where to go nowadays. Why, sir, thank you so much. Uh, that is coffee people inside shop people on the corner of Southeast Oak and Grand. And I heard today, I haven't verified this, but I heard today from their representative, from their A.E. Alan Gabrowski, that they are now, as of today, selling Black Tiger whole bean. Ah, which cool. is what my wife was waiting for, because that way you don't have to go and get it yourself. That way, you know, you, I mean, we, you know, we go there, but this way you can buy the whole bean, grind it, and have Black Tiger coffee at your own home. I do believe they are now stocking whole bean Black Tiger, uh, the south corner of Southeast Oak and Grand coffee people. Perfect. Thank, right, thank you so thank much. Thank you for supporting our advertisers, sir. You bet. Thank you. Tim, are you done? Well, I, I'm done for here. Of course, I have to go back to the newsroom. Well, because I mean, we for now, for this, for this at, moment. Uh, four, five, and six, yeah. seven, and eight. Uh, so uh, in case, because the audience won't be uh, hearing you again, except at four, five, six, and seven. And then Tim's gone. Yes, you'll be gone back on Tuesday. That's correct, yes. I'm is, going to sunny Southern California. Is Scotty, uh, Scotty uh, sweating under the burden of... Yes, he is. We, he... we went over the uh, the new things that are going on, and he should be do a wonderful job. Okay. Is that is that the lie you tell yourself to sleep at night, Tim? No, I have no confidence in Scotty. He'll be fine. No, it is uh, it is it, it is always. Um, I mean, who else can we get, really? No. <laughs> See, and I, it, and I was trying to spin it into a compliment, <laughs> and then you just punctured the balloon before I even started. In answer to your who else can we get? In answer to your frequent emails, Scotty is our top choice always. Let me just end this whole segment by saying about Sarah's toes. Oh. This email says, I've Rick, been... why do you read those? It just says, no, you'll find this amusing. I think, okay. it's, I think it's written as a joke. Okay, cool. But it says, I bid 550 When is the bid over? When is the auction over? <laughs> um, see, that's what I'm saying. I think over once you got past the initial uh, discomfort, 
Maybe that's a thing, you know. You do that because you'd only have to do it for like six months. You'd have, think about the cash you'd have in the bank. It's you know? true. As um, as Jamie Lee Curtis says in Trading Places, another another two years on your back, you'll have a hundred grand in T bills. Uh, let's see. Rick, how much money would you demand if the same man came in though and demanded that you suck on his toes? Signed. I'm sorry, I brought this up. Yeah, that's another good question. Now, assuming he was uh, clean and proper, is there any amount of money that would uh, that would induce you to suck on his toes? Ooh, no. Uh, I didn't think so. No. Yeah. Um, I just got an um, email from an anonymous person that I know mm-hmm. that says uh, a close friend of mine who actually I've met was Quentin Tarantino's foot girlfriend really? a few years back, and she said it was very bizarre. How weird is that? All right. Well, it's just as weird as this email, Sarah. I won't say uh, where this came from. But this uh, email from um, a place, uh, someone who listens to us, says, Rick, we do some filming here. Come visit us on the set anytime. Bring a towel. I don't even know how to feel about that. You know that person? No. Well, it's it's a... uh, it's a person who has emailed me. It's no one we know. In other words, it's not a uh, not a person on the show. Not somebody with a secret porn career we don't know about. No, I think it's a. I think it's. I think it's. A, I think it's. It looks to be their primary occupation. In other words, I'm saying it's um, a name I recognize from my inbox. It's someone who you know emails the show occasionally. Uh, it is no one involved with the show. Let's see. Um, well, we don't have time to do the top five. Scotty, I apologize. I know you spent some time putting together, but we will do it tomorrow without fail uh, when you are in here. Uh, doing Tim's news. Um, let me just, we'll get these calls. I got one email to read as well. Let me read this email now. We'll take it. Do we have to take a break? Yeah. So I'll do this email. If you're on hold, please uh, please hang tight. We will get to you right on the other side of the break to close it out. This is a email about mold. Rick, do you want to hear the grossest thing ever? Oh, jeez. And then he says, of course you do. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, the grossest thing ever. When I was in eighth grade, Rick, Pepsi was running a contest where you had to read the inside bottom of the can to see if you won. I was at my dad's work. I totally remember that contest. Me too. I was at my dad's work, a diesel truck repair shop, and I noticed a can that wasn't empty yet. I picked it up and started chugging it when a three-inch long blob of mold came out into my mouth. I immediately recoiled and saw that it was just hanging out of the can, slug-like and furry. It was repulsive. The email's not done. Okay. One more one more sentence. I was reminded of that this morning, Rick, when I picked a raspberry out of the fridge and popped it into my mouth before realizing it wasn't so much a raspberry as it was a huge lump of mold. Oh, my Good God. Good times. Who is this person? Their kitchen sounds grosser than mine. <laughs> it's true. You feel better about yourself. My huge clouds of fruit flies at home. Uh, take a break here. We will uh, come back. If you are on hold, that is uh, Dan. Dan and Ken. Uh, you stay there. We'll try to get your calls here on the other side as we wrap things up. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's Wednesday. Stay there. Back after this. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Let's see, what are we, uh, let's see, Dan, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, Dan. Hey. What's up? Hey, I had a couple uh, Europe tips for you. Yes, That sir. I got from my wife. Uh, one was, 
if they offer to seat you outside, decline because outside the prices are all jacked up. Is that true? Really, the prices are different outside. Yeah, so if you're at a cafe and they have all the tables, you'll notice no one local, anyhow, is sitting at them. Excellent. Okay. They're all sitting inside and even cheaper if you sit at the bar sometimes. Duly noted. Um, the other one is <laughs> she had a gentleman in Italy rubbing up against her while she was sitting on the uh, bus, rubbing his loin area against her. His loin area. <laughs> his region, yes. So I would sit to the window. Absolutely. <laughs> so you're going to take a bus. His window and turn inward. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, my friend. All right. All right, there you go. One more. Uh, this is... My button's not working. Uh, there we go. Hi, Ken. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, great, great to be getting off of this uh, foot topic. Uh, real quick, Jeff Fahey was the uh, main character in Long Morning Opposite. Uh, I'm sorry, yes? He was opposite uh, Pierce Bronson. And then um, also he was uh, the barbecue chef guy in... Um, uh, uh, right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, he ran the yeah the place where uh, where what's her name where uh, uh, Rose McGowan goes at the beginning. Yes. Okay. Yes, All right. And a uh, quick piece of story for you. Um, I uh, pick up Visa Collect whenever I'm down on Swan Island uh, from one of the local distributors, and um, with you know I'm a delivery driver and I drive around with <clears throat> drive around in one. Yes. Of the, uh, yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. We, we have no, no time. I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize. We got to wrap it up, my friend. Sorry, there. You hear the time? The clock is a cruel mistress, sir. All right, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Sorry about that. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the loving talents of Terry Stillman for AM 970 State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, Scotty J at the PA, Dave Zinner's the gatekeeper. Like us next, Don and Mike at 7. Thanks to Lisa Goddard, Steve Castamon, and Jim Roop. See you all tomorrow at 11 a.m. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Thanks for listening. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. Time now. In less than an hour.